Welcome back to When Bad Things Happen to Good People, a podcast about censorship and the arts. Uh, my name is Todd Sullivan. Uh, across the table from me once again is Peter Raman. Hello. And today we are uh, reading the second half of Richard Bachman's Rage, also by Stephen King. That's right. Yeah, we're going to figure out what getting it on really means. <laughs> Well, thanks for having me back, even though I, I fucked it up last time. But uh, <laughs> we were just nobody like, noticed, I guess. He was sharing some self criticism with me a minute ago before we started recording. Apparently, uh, when we signed off the the last episode or a recent episode, yeah, you got the uh, the tagline wrong. I, I fucked up the like the key tagline for for the podcast. Yeah, instead of saying "go read a fucking book," I, I left out "go." So yeah, I mean, I think "read a fucking book" is still ultimately the same. It's still imperative. Message. Right in in terms of, but I feel like uh, there yeah. is like a, an urgency around it when you include the word "go." It's a more immediate call to action. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like well, it's like when you if you're talking to someone and you're like, you know, hey, hand me your wallet. You know, they're like, what? If you're like, hey, real quick, you know, or or go on, you know, yeah, yeah. it that urgency. Go get me your yeah, wallet. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Like, okay. Oh, right. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and that's what we want you all to do is to like. Yeah. Turn off no not, don't don't turn off the podcast. Wait till the no. podcast is over. And then when he says it properly later That's right. Then yes. you can go read a fucking book. This is this is time for redemption here. I'm gonna like, keep this right in front of me. I got it on a sticker now. So Yeah, he was kind <laughs> enough to buy some uh, some of the stickers in our merch store, which uh just a reminder that we have a merch store yes. uh, with some some fine products, including go read a fucking book stickers. T-shirts and pillows, hats, throw, throw pillows. pillows. Yes, yes. Uh, I still would like to sneak some of those throw pillows into the local library. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, um, and uh, you can find that on our website at blah 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 media dot com. But we may be say more about that later. Yeah, there's also merch for some of your other podcasts. There on is. There there's as a lot well, more, right? lot yeah. more merch uh, um, for for uh, sorry, what's the other one called? Half, Half cut, conspiracies. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because we've we've come up with more sort of taglines there we've got ones for like the bermuda triangle and you heard it here first that was one of our yeah. favorite things to say whenever we just said something insanely stupid whenever you discovered a hot take whenever that, we discovered a hot <laughs> that take wasn't that maybe, maybe quite so hot <laughs> <laughs> but i was thinking we need to come up with maybe more for for this podcast and and uh i've been i've been thrown around the idea of maybe grabbing little lines like really memorable lines from the books we cover and doing yeah. merch based on that um, for example, I was thinking. Well, let's skip the Turner Diaries. Uh, we've already done. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. We'll, that's we'll fair. Skip, I don't think there's skip, any quotes. I want to pull those quotes from that and uh, maybe focus on other stuff. But my first thought was like to have a T-shirt that said Let, "Let's get it on for yes. for rage." But then I wondered, like, that might be really inappropriate when, like, this is a case of self censorship. Like Stephen King really doesn't want that out there. Yes, yeah. And I don't know if I want to be. He'd probably sue our faces off if we tried to make money off of the thing that he is actively. Well, um, it's a good thing we don't make money then. I think we're safe. There is a little... <laughs> well, to be fair, when people buy merch... That's true. There's yeah. a little... I think there I made, a bit of, I made bit like of money, 15, yeah. 18 bucks off of your purchase. Right so, yeah. on. Well, there you go. Yeah, I haven't cashed out yet. But. Yeah. <laughs> we're reinvesting. That's exactly it. We're investing yeah. in ourselves. That's right. Yeah. So um, that we can, we can hit the mother load with the, <laughs> the rage quotes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, what did you think of the second half of this book? 
Uh, you know what? Before I, we get into the details. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was, it was interesting in the sense that we really started to learn what Charlie really meant with the let's get it on, you know, go, coming back to the, the tagline for the book. Um, you know, at first it was like, let's get it on. We thought, oh, this just means get into some trouble or something like that. But we, we really start to discover what he means by it through his discourse with the, with the students in the classroom as they sit there and really um, kind of look inwards on themselves, right? And we kind of figure out that let's get it on is really about kind of talking to the world or showing the world some of your inner thoughts in a way that you never normally would, right? And And it's not so much about violence or you know fucking shit up or or getting into trouble so much as it is kind of being introspective and letting your you know quote unquote true self kind of out and and to be visible and vulnerable for others and i thought that was a really kind of interesting twist in the sense that i didn't really see that coming i mean you know we we got a lot of charlie's inner monologue uh, but then seeing how the rest of the students kind of started to really buy into that and, and get on board with it, I thought that was really interesting. For sure. But yeah. I, I do think that maybe wasn't Charlie's intent. And I think maybe that was accidental. And I think there's a few points in it where he gives the sense of being surprised at the way that they've kind of, you know, there's one point where he almost feels like he's no longer in charge. He's yeah, not holding yeah. them there, but they're holding him there almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, especially when he feels he can't compete with some of their stories. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's, it's this, this thing that like he's released most of them, mm-hmm. um, by, by doing this, by getting it on. Um, and, uh, it, it has this weird kind of almost heartwarming element at the end of it. I mean, not to get into details yet, but like everybody is, everybody would be changed in some way after an event like this, but this isn't the way that you think they would be changed. Yeah. Yeah, It's not that whole, just, just pure trauma of seeing people shot. There's elements of catharsis and, and, you know, learning about oneself that, that, you know, some of the students are taking away from this. And when we talk about some of the later chapters, right. Some of the feedback that, that Charlie gets right about this event is kind of like people are thankful in a sense for going Mm -hmm. through this, right? It, it, they, you're, you're right. They didn't see it as, as trauma necessarily. And most of them all, they didn't all see it as trauma. And, And most of them appreciate it, right. In the sense that it was, it was a way for them to look into themselves and, and to grow and to figure out, you know, kind of some of the things they want to do with their lives and, that, you know, they may have been just trapped in the, you know, the the path that was set out for them uh, if they hadn't gone through mm-hmm. that event. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the details then, uh, starting with Chapter 21. Um, at this point, there's a, an increased police presence. Yes. They're sort of looking out the like windows. Like every police from miles and miles around seems to have shown up. Yeah. There's a few parents are there. There's um, they mention uh, Pigpen's mom with her her slip hanging out of her That's dress. Right. And... Yeah. Like the real like cliche town gossip kind of description, right? <laughs> like... Right. I think there's an element though of like, you know, Pigpen is described, I mean, it's clear from his name that he's kind of a slovenly messy guy. Yeah. And there's an element of that to just the way the mom is described as well. Like this is a, yeah. this is a family of people who don't really yeah. take care of their appearance. More concerned about getting the dirt than cleaning up their, their dirt. dirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the news, the the press, the media they has arrived. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they, 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 what they catch on the radio from 
people like uh, Mr. Denver, who is the principal, and uh, Mr. Mr. Grace, Grace yeah. the psychiatrist, is maybe not entirely accurate. Yeah, it seems like Mr. Grace in particular has has changed the events, uh, you know, to make himself look a little better rather than telling the truth, mm -hmm. which, you know, I, I get it as a school guidance counselor. He might want to manage the image a little bit in that. Well, and Charlie scenario, but... slapped him around a little bit yeah, in their he, interaction. Yeah. He, he, he beat him up intellectually pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's interesting because there's some of the students are the ones who pick up on that and they're yeah. like, how dare they? And they're yeah, that's they're, not right. And, yeah. They're already saying things like we're going to tell them how it really went down once we get out of this. And yeah. So already there's some of them that are kind of weirdly on Charlie's side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as and as we go through this, we'll see like how it's it's almost almost unanimous. Right. Mm. I mean, oh. there, there's there's one holdout. <laughs> but, you know, by the end, it, it's pretty much unanimous that everyone is with Charlie and they, you know, whether they kind of get what he wants to do from, uh, you know, a violence point or, a, a, you know, a, a speaking out against authority or, or against the system, you know, they're, they're with him as far as the, the discourse uh, about, you know, what, what they feel and, you know, talking about, they get into some pretty intense subjects, right? So yeah, they're, they're, they're already, they're already kind of straying or, or leaning towards his side and, mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I think we caught glimpses of that in the first half, but now it's becoming more apparent, right? That they're they're really in this together, right? They've they've kind of bonded. I don't know if that's really Stockholm syndrome or anything like that, but that is know. that is the phrase I saw come up in a lot of reviews. I spent some time today trying to find interviews of King talking about rage from like earlier in his oh, okay. career yeah. to get an idea of like where where it might have stemmed from, what he was trying to convey with it. But at this point, it's about the first three pages of internet discourse on rage is all just people talking about it, reviewing it or talking about why it's been banned. Mm. And most of the reviews talk about um, Stockholm syndrome as being a part of it. And I, again, I, I don't know that I agree. I think I don't know very much about Stockholm syndrome, but I feel like it takes much more time. Yeah. And I think it's typically not, well, and again, I, I don't know much about it myself either, but I think it's, you know, when it's your peer group, Right. When you already have a relationship with someone, I mean, these people know Charlie on a personal level, right? They see him every day, right? There's already that relationship there where, whereas typically I think with Stockholm syndrome, it's some outsider, some, you know, person who, whether it's through terror or what have you, right? Kidnapping or, or hostage situations. Um, it's someone you've never met before, but you, given the situation, are drawn to that person in terms of right. how they, they act, right? Whereas this is, they've they've known about charlie right they've went through the incident with the with the physics or chemistry teacher yeah. right like they they they're already well aware of you know a what he's capable of and and b kind of how he you know operates at at the school and what he's into and that kind of stuff right so i i think yeah less less stockholm syndrome and more just hey it's one of our own doing something and we're kind of here for it and i i think he, he won a lot of the classroom over with that conversation with mr grace mm -hmm. um the way that he kind of pulled the, his authority apart and you know owned him based yeah. in you know modern parlance uh, i think that's something that would impress his peers yeah um yeah. and and maybe make them go if not necessarily at this point, side with him entirely, at least go like, 
He's got something. He's got there, something, you know, and, and I'm, he I'm, has some kind of a plan. Maybe I'm in for yeah. the ride. I'm in yeah. to see how this, where this goes, because he's clearly not just going to shoot all of us. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a, a police officer outside. Starts basically yelling through a um, megaphone, mm-hmm. asking Charlie to give up, surrender, come out with his hands up. Um, Charlie's not digging the volume. He starts, you know, sort of. He's plugging his ears. He's mumbling at first for this for this to stop he's kind of freaking out a little bit he's freaking right? out yeah a yeah bit. he's he's coming apart a little bit and yep. it's because i think this is the first this is something that he has no control over mm-hmm. right like he can't make them stop using the megaphone that's from right. where he's at that's right yeah so what he does is the only thing he can is he grabs his gun and he fires at the window like four times yeah he shoots out a couple of the windows and scatters some of the crowd and yeah um which you know i think not hitting anyone or anything like that, but probably the best way for Charlie to kind of reorient himself and clear his head and, uh, you know, right. Kind of get out of that situation where he was kind of, he was kind of tumbling down the rabbit hole. Yeah. A and gain bit that, there, get that right? superiority yeah. back yeah, at yeah. that. Um, I'm, 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 I'm in charge. Yeah. Um, and then not long after that, um, Sandra cross says, tell something else, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, so this is there's kind of a lull after after the shooting, and you know, like he's reloading his gun, and it's you know it's kind of quiet, and um, you know, there's a he has a flashback um, during this time where he you know he flashes back to the double date that he was on, um, where he threw up in the car, and, right? Yes, you know, you know he's he so you know he's got stuff percolating there. And then the class gives him the avenue, like, hey, tell us something else. Like, we're interested. You know, you're, you're clearly, uh, you know, in the, in the captain's seat here. We're along for the ride. We're, we're in it. So, hey, like, tell us something else. Let's, let's keep getting it on, right? Which and is- I think to an extent, too, it, it feels a bit like, if not intentionally, um, then kind of an accidental therapy session. Yeah. Like, let's get at the root of, you know, Charlie, you got up today, came into class and, and killed two people. Let's find out why. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. talk about let's, your issues, let's chat, right? Let's chat this out. Yeah. Right? yeah we're here for you, Charlie. <laughs> and, uh, and we do, you know, over the course of the book, get, get uh, insight into Charlie's past. Uh, chapter 22 is the next story where uh, he tells the tale of the corduroy suit. That's right. Yeah. Quite the tale. Uh, just a time, a timeline thing here. So chapter 21 um, so after the little debacle with the, the bullhorns and the shooting and everything, yeah. uh, it's now 1020. Uh, so another half an hour has passed since the end of the last okay. chapter through this. So, you know, time seems to be, I, I know we, you know, during the first half, it seemed like a really a lot happened in 45 minutes. Time seems to be slowing down, slowing down a little bit or not. It's not as frenetic maybe, uh, within the classroom as far as events happening and there, everyone seems to be calming down. Um, or it's writer's timeline and it's yeah. a little wishy-washy. I mean, we one, up, one of we the end above, up covering yeah. about three hours over the course of the yeah, second half right, compared yeah. to the 45 minutes of the first. That's right. Um, so the quarter, 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 blah, let's try that again. The corduroy suit is a suit that uh, I guess his mom bought him for, I don't know what, he, what was bought I for. I think it's like it church like clothes church or clothes. You know, fancy dress or something. Like, uh, like his best suit, essentially, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, and he's been invited to uh, Carol Granger's birthday party. Yeah, her 12th birthday. Her 12th so, birthday. So, you know, they're not... They're not like you know super young anymore no you know they're they're getting to be their own kind of uh, young adults here at 12 years old yes. and i think charlie's already 12 uh in in this I, I that's the impression that i 
I had that he was already. And he's he's it. mortified that he has to wear this oh, suit. Yeah. And he like he argues, you know, he fights tooth and nail. He does everything the, he can. Yeah, he's and, even like Carol Granger's sick. I did the party's canceled. Yeah. And his mom up. calls up and is like, "No, nope, you're lying. Yeah, off you go." Yeah, she she uh, she out debates him, which you know after seeing what he did to Mister Grace and Mister Denver. Uh, you know, he, we know he's pretty capable when it comes to debating adults, right? Well, so he was first, only 12, and it is his mom. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he and he's, he did say he laid out kind of all the, all the stops. He but did the she best still, he could, yeah. She still uh, got him to, uh, to leave the suit on and, and go to the party, which, you know, didn't really work out so Doesn't well. Doesn't work out, yeah. no. So he, off to the party he goes, though, and he's, he's bought uh, her a little, um, a nice uh, little handkerchief. Yes. In is it monogrammed? Uh, it is monogrammed. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was, I think, fifty nine cents. Yes. He made a point of saying like it wasn't one of those cheap nineteen cent ones. That's this right. Like this was the real 59 deal. Fifty nine cents yeah. at J C Penney or something like that. Um, heads to the party. Bumps into uh, Joe McCready. Yeah. No. Uh, well, the 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 McKennedy. McKennedy. Yeah. Sorry. The the guy that he and then trying Dickie, to avoid Dicky Cable. Dicky Cable. Yeah. Who is who's going to be his nemesis here in the, in this story anyway? Yeah, so uh, Dickie starts comes getting on up his case like, right you know, away. Slaps him on the back immediately. He's like, yeah. "Don't you look great? Yeah, you look slick as owl shit. Slick as owl shit. Yeah, uh, great just, line. There. Just fucking busted his balls, yeah. and he already doesn't want to be wearing this suit. And... Yeah, and he doesn't really let up. Like he's he's Dicky Cable's just on him yeah, about yeah, this yeah. suit and just won't let it go. Right and. You know, like like uh, Charlie was saying to his mom, like nobody else there is dressed up at and all. Nobody right? is. Yeah, yeah. So. And so as soon as he walks in, he he really just wants to get out again. He's, he's trying to disappear regretful. into the walls, or you know, yeah, exactly. And uh, he does. Line, he like, literally tries to like get out, and with his hand on the door, um, Carol Granger's mom shows up and is like, "Oh, Charlie, it's so yes. good to see you." <laughs> Gives him a nice, warm, wet kiss on the cheek. And now That's right. she's yeah. drawn uh, everyone's attention to his presence. And now they're seeing him in this suit. You're, and, you're, yeah, you're locked in now, though. In You've it, been yeah. seen at the party. You can't just disappear. You That's have to right. at least put in your yeah. your your minimum uh, sentence or whatever. Yeah, That's right. right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they hang around for a while. It's uncomfortable. Uh, they end up going out back to play Follow the Leader. I'm not sure I even know how that game works. Is it sort of like, have you ever played Follow the Leader? Is it like Simon Says? Like, yeah, or? I think it's like Simon Says, yeah. yeah. Um, Joe Joe is basically um, Charlie's only friend. Yeah. Right? But is it, Joe's hanging out with some other girl or something, right? Like, not at this point. Like When, no, when Charlie okay. first comes outside, Joe is hanging out. He's got his foot up on the, the railing. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, he comments how like Joe is always just off to the side with his foot over a railing yeah. somewhere. Um, and Joe is really the only one. Joe, I think, is a couple of years older and is the only one who kind of gives a shit about Charlie. Um, but, you know, after they sit down and hang out for a couple of minutes, Carol calls um, Joe to come join the game. Yeah. And uh, Charlie doesn't get called. Charlie does not get no. called. And, you know, I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but Charlie has a has a pretty major crush on on Carol. That's why he bought the nice gift. Yeah. Um, and uh, and basically. He, he he gives Joe permission to go. He doesn't want to, you know. He doesn't want to drag Joe down. Yeah, exactly. He realizes that it it can be a downer to always have to hang out with the friend who nobody likes. Yeah. <laughs> so go have a sure. nice time. And uh, and at that point, he decides he's going to try to slip away. And uh, as he's leaving, Dicky makes one last kind of comment about it. Well, I think he gets outside. 
And well, they're outside of this. They're all outside. No, but like out point, front right? of but, the house, I think. And Dickie's some for some reason out front. Well, my my perception of it was, and this is just it doesn't really matter. But like, I think there was a path. My sense was that there was a path going from the backyard into the front yard. Okay, right? and, and he, so he was going around the house to right, try to leave yeah. to the front yard and cut. And and Dickie, yeah. who's out playing whatever with everybody yeah. else, sees him trying to go, and and says something like, "I think I have it here. It's." Uh, you on your way, pretty boy? Yeah, or fancy boy or something, right? And uh, and Charlie retorts with, shut up. <laughs> he just doesn't feel like taking it anymore, which uh, Dickie doesn't take kindly to. No. Well, and there's something else that he says about, like, how he was so frustrated from the party. Like, he would have, you know, snapped at Hitler. You know, some, there's some mm. line in there, like, he would have taken on at that moment, you know, right or wrong. He would have he would have snapped at anyone kind of thing. But, yeah, so he snaps at, at Dickie Cable, which is maybe, you know, not, not the best thing for him in his fancy suit. Because that fancy suit's not going to make it home. It does uh, not make it home in, in, in one, one piece, piece at all, no. no. Uh, Dickie comes up and starts kind of shoving him around. Yeah. Charlie takes a pop at him. Um, and, uh, very quickly, Charlie ends up face down in the ground with his yeah. face being smashed into the dirt. Yeah. Uh, his suit ripped up buttons off. Um, yeah, he ends up, I think with only one button remaining yeah. at the end. And, yeah. uh, Joe finally comes up, gets Dicky off him and is like, it's yeah. enough. That's enough. Fucking yeah. cut it out. Yeah. And now once again, everybody's staring at him. Yes. Um, except now it's even worse because you've just had the snot beat out of you and you're crying and you're muddy and your suit is ripped. And he is crying. He like, is crying. He, he's full on crying yeah. here as well, right? Yeah. So uh, just not not a great day for Charlie at, the, no. at this party, right? No. And even and, the, and the, the, the worst thing I think for him, right, is that Carol wasn't super interested even even with him all fancied up. No, uh, like right? gave him the cold and, shoulder the, the entire time. And then, you know, didn't really uh, look at him too kindly after he got his ass kicked either. Exactly. Right? So it was exactly. kind of a, it was, it was a, a loss for Charlie in several different ways that day. Well, and in a way, insult to injury too. Once we get yeah. back to sort of present day, Carol reveals that, you know, she was kind of crushing on, on Dickie. Yeah. Right. And yeah. in fact, and, and went out with him or something. Yeah. Like. And was even more hot for him after the fight. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. he was this kind of like, you know. He was a he tough was a bad guy. Boy. Yeah, he was he's a tough a bad guy. Boy, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he basically after the fight, he sort of you know wanders off into a back alley, you know, until his tears dry up, and he he entertains the thought of like hitching a ride out of town and 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 just bailing on everything. Um, but in the end, he just goes home. Goes home, and sucks it up. Yeah. We never really see you know what happens with the mom in the corduroy suit. I imagine it probably wasn't super traumatic. Otherwise, I'm sure we would have heard about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm sure she wasn't super thrilled. No, but I, I mean, I think you can imagine that after hearing what happened, and you know, him being the only fancied up boy at the party and getting picked on for it, that it probably wouldn't have been, uh, you know, too much anger coming from mom for that uh, suit getting. No, I think yeah, most of it was out of Charlie's hands. Uh, and then we do, uh, we do find out that uh, Dicky is dead. I think that's the next chapter. Well, yeah, uh, we find out, but we find out that the reason that he was fancied up and that his mom wouldn't let him change to is that the next chapter yeah, okay. because Carol yeah. and um, Carol's and, mom and, and Charlie's mom were kind of playing matchmaker. Yeah. Right. They wanted it, to it, set them it, up. It, yeah. Twigs in Charlie's mind after the, after fact, the story, yeah. after he tells the story, as he's sitting in class and he's like, wait yeah, a minute, yeah, yeah. I think they were trying to set us up. 
Oh, sorry. The other thing from this chapter is that he, because we don't really find out what happens with the mom, but there is a line from Charlie saying that he was more concerned uh, about his father uh, asking him the question of who won the fight or like what did the what does the other guy look, look like, like right? right? And he like, was already that, prepared that's what he to was lie. more concerned about yeah. than anything else uh, when he was going home. So, you know, it just kind of shows you where his world uh, view was tilting already at twelve. Uh, right, that he was more concerned about representing toughness to his father than anything else. Right, but not not super surprising seeing what we've seen of his father so far. That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back in the present day, um, as you yeah, said, Dickie's Charlie, dead. Charlie, and uh, and Carol figure out that they were being set up, and we mm-hmm. learned that Dickie uh, was in a car accident and died. Yeah, he became kind of a like a car guy. Bought yeah. this vehicle, souped it up super good, drove it like a maniac, and uh, nobody would even want to drive with nobody him. Nobody even anymore. wanted to drive with <laughs> yeah. him. Uh, and I guess he just took that that dangerous bad boy streak a little too far. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Officer Frank Philbrick, who I don't think we'd met. No. He's with the state police. Um, Charlie remembers kind of seeing him on TV um, every now and then, like I think Fridays or Thursdays or something. He goes on Oh, TV. he talked about every like every uh, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, the, the he gives like the, the safety speech. tips, right? Like he's, he's, the, he's the, the senior officer who's on TV. And he's a thing. mouth breather. Yes. Um, anyway, so he comes on the intercom. Um, and Charlie, you know, playing the similar kind of mind games, right? He offers him kind of this choice of like, you know, if you kill yourself kind of thing, right? Uh, hey, so if you come down to the, yeah. if you come to the classroom, I'll yeah. let everybody go and then I'll kill you. Yeah. How's that for a deal? Yeah. And this is, you know, you save all the kids and you're a martyr and, uh, like what's, uh, what's so hard about this kind of yeah. thing. But right? Phil Burke doesn't trust him and says like, well, if I come down, you're just going to fucking kill me and keep the, keep the hostage. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it's then Carol that starts a, a new topic after the Philbrick situation. She brings up the topic of sex. Yeah, so I think Carol asked Charlie, uh, Carol first asked Charlie about sex. Uh, because in her mind, sometimes a bad sexual experience can lead to insanity. Which is a very, I think, 1970s yeah, kind of yeah. take on psychology, yeah, right? Yeah. Very usually. I think we know now that it's the other way around. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but Charlie turns it on her and says, I'll tell you a story if you tell me a story. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think also implying that his love life isn't, you know, super, That's true. super that crazy true. Not, or anything. That is not much to tell. Right, but I, he does agree to tell a story if she will, right? But this is also sort of the first time that he is actively inviting the Stories, class to participate, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Well, I think you're dancing monkey. And now it's time for you. I think to... when Pigpen opened up uh, about his mom, a he did, bit, but I that think, was unprompted. But he did kind of, I think, give him the floor, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like he kind of. That's true. It, it was the start was unprompted, but you know he could have curtailed it right yeah. away. Pigpen and... was not ready to launch into a diatribe, but. He kind of was like, hey, no, everyone shut up. Let's let Pigpen, you know, gave him the floor, gave him the, the audience, as it were, right? So um, I think this is just kind of continuing it's, on it's, that trend. It's a continuation where, of that. Where yeah. now he's like, yes, hey, like, let, let's get this input and feedback from the class and let's start really sharing more, right? Yeah, for sure. So Carol tells, you know, her stories about sex, which don't amount to much. She confesses to being a virgin, mm-hmm. uh, com- compares it to being bright, 
Yeah. Uh, and explains that sort of both both things take hard work. Well, I mean, yeah, she doesn't want to get pregnant, but that's yeah, that's less of a concern yeah. versus like being being bright and studying hard and and you know achieving her goals in life versus getting tangled up in in the world of sex. But she also like, is this the story of? The, the guy driving by and yelling, hey, cunt. Is that at this I th- point? I think maybe. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. There is my yeah. note for it. Um, so, yes. Yeah, I, I don't have the notes She for shares it, no. this, this story of being out at, like, at Christmas time. She'd just been out shopping with some friends. She was passing by, like, a Salvation Army ding-a-ling mm-hmm. um, donation bucket. Everything just feels good. She's thinking about going home and having some hot chocolate with whipped cream. And this guy drives by with his window written uh, rolled down. He just says, hi, cunt. Yeah. And then takes off. And it kind of ruins her mood, as yeah. it would. I mean, tis the season, but yeah. <laughs> tis the season. <laughs> um, but it also made her feel like like she was being defined based on her her hole. Yeah. And, and she talks about being bright as being another sort of hole that she's identified for right like and it's just she has these two holes one is her brain and one is her cunt Mm -hmm. um that people just want to fill with stuff yeah and she's not really a fan of either of those Mm -hmm. and uh it was a really interesting story i thought yeah Yeah. um at the end of her story uh sandra goes to speak up Mm -hmm. sandra who's already acting a bit loopy uh, i would say like she she's not a hundred percent, I think. Uh, right, she's kind of a little dazed, and uh, and I think during the course of her story, um, she gets a little more loopy and just seemingly out of touch, uh, you know, with what's going on in the classroom a little bit. Right. I, I well, I feel a little bit like she's a little bit more in tune with getting it on, mm-hmm. so to speak, because I think she's going to tell the story about having sex with Ted. Yes, and I think. When we actually get to the story, we find out it's not a great story as far as, you know, Ted goes. Um, and I think, <laughs> it's just another knock on Ted. Yeah. To be honest, right? And I, I think maybe that's part of what inspires her to do it is is seeing the way that Charlie's already been needling Ted, noticing the way that Ted is the only one who's not really getting into it mm-hmm. and sort of wants to take a slap at him and say, like, come on, man. Or 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 expose him more, I guess, uh, right, as far as, you know, we've already got this sense, I think, of Ted as being um, uh, maybe a phony in a sense, right? Like, you oh, know, yeah. he, he's, he's not kind of presenting the world with his true self. And what's going on in the classroom right now is people are starting to kind of reveal their, their true selves, right? Mm. We've gotten a few pretty like deep introspective stories from some of the, the students in the classroom already. Uh, and then Sandra launching into this, which is very, um, you know, a very close view of her internal processing of, of sex and her reaction to the, her first time. And then what happens after and that kind of stuff, right? This pretty intense stuff that, you know, in this day and age in the seventies, people were, were not talking about no. in this way no. at all. Right. So, you know, it's very, very personal. And this is, I think now the kind of the third or fourth story, right? So the class is really starting to open up, but it, in, in a sense, yeah, it's another shot at Ted as well. Yeah. Uh, he does not come off very good in their little sexual encounter. No, but before we get to the story, um, she starts to tell it, Ted starts getting angry. He's like, 
starting to stand up and, and um, you know, maybe try to physically stop Sandra from telling the story. And Charlie gets it in his head to shoot Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, so he picks up the gun, points it at Ted, and then uh, Charlie gets shot instead. Yes. Was that in this chapter? Yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Uh, I, I think she tells some of the story first, though, wasn't uh, She starts to. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, she does get into the story a little bit. But I, and, I, and I don't know how far she gets in. I just have, you know, okay. uh, Sandra speak, speaks up, beginning to talk about her sexual relationship with Ted, which doesn't seem to have been particularly satisfying. It's more hinting at the, the story at this point. Okay, okay. Because yeah. the... Um, she goes into more details Most later, of the story yeah. comes out in Chapter 25. Okay. Uh, chapter 24 is very short. It's just Charlie's yeah. reaction to the fact that he has been shot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's knocked out of his chair, slammed into uh, the chalkboard. Yeah. Uh, his shoes fly off. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's shot right out of his shoes. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, man, uh, hitting, hitting your back on that chalkboard uh, rest, the chalk rest. I, oh. I, can, I can feel that. That takes you back right back to grade school. It sure like does. Getting shoved into that and just like you got this <laughs> line on your back for a week. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and, I mean, Titus, the padlock, is sure as hell helpful in that's this scenario. Titus, the helpful padlock, yeah. right? I mean, oh, man. That's, uh, what do they call that? Uh, Chekhov's padlock or that's whatever, right? right? Yeah. Um, and I remember when I read this the first time, um, I was young enough that I, I didn't see the padlock thing coming. Okay, um, yeah. Now I probably would have. Like, as soon as somebody's like, oh, I'm going to put this in my, in my breast pocket, pocket. Yeah, right above yeah. my heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was like flabbergasted. I was like, what? Well, I'm, I'm this age and I didn't yeah, really didn't see, see it coming. coming. Yeah. But I mean, I think there's a, a lot of other stuff going on. And to be fair, we, I, didn't, we didn't really get much sense of the sniper um, or, or the skill, I guess, or, or what the police were really doing. Um, no. you know, about the scenario, just that they seem to be gathering in large numbers on the lawn, but you know, that there was a sniper a mile away or whatever it was. I mean, we didn't really get, yeah. That. Charlie has an aside later where he sort of says that what he learned later is that they had brought in the best sharpshooter in the County. Yeah. Um, they'd given him this gun. He had gone to, I think the dump to like test fired a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and then he was sort of hiding under just beside the wheel of the, the police car mm-hmm. in the shadows and, you know, got aim. Um, thanks to Charlie shooting out the window, there was no glare or anything for him to That's worry right. about. Yeah. He was able yeah, to Yeah, him shooting it. out the windows was a key to him having the clear shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as, apparently as he stood up and turned towards Ted, it sort of gave the, yeah. the sniper the perfect shot right through the breast pocket. Yeah, because he had been kind of at this angle where it was, he was uh, you know, perpendicular, and, and as soon as he opened up to face Ted, that was, boom, okay, take the shot, right? So, I mean... Interesting that the sniper had those orders to, yeah, just kill this kid whenever you get a chance. I mean, pretty pretty out there, I think, for the 70s, uh, for, for police, right? I mean, I think some of the stuff that, I that you've seen from movies that. and films at the time, especially around children, is that the police were often loath to take shots at, at kids. Now, to be fair, Charlie's, I think, I mean, 17 in this. This, so. isn't a, this wasn't a question of like police just openly shooting into the window. This is a, like a trained, trained guy sniper with a clear shot. Who, yeah. you know, don't take that shot unless you have it. But still, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like, hey, something's happened, take the shot. It was as soon as you get the angle you know free 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 season open fire kind well, of thing. Well, there's right? already so, two dead people in the school yeah, though, right? Yeah. So um and but I he's think, still a minor. 
He's still a minor in this scenario, right? So, yeah, just just kind of interesting that that was the level that the the police were at. Uh, I just keep thinking of the, um, and I can't remember which university it was at, but in the '60s, when when Nixon was president, there was a um, there was an anti-Vietnam protest at a university where a bunch of uh, National Guardsmen killed protesters, mm-hmm. um, which is only ten years prior to this. And so, okay. I sort of feel like that kind of element is maybe a more, you know, '80s '90s progressive element okay maybe not um, so but much, i mean uh, i could be wrong time. i could be wrong yeah but but i mean you know the shot that he took was he was aiming for the heart right i mean there was no oh yeah there was no uh no um uh kind of if ands or buts but again it. i like think that he was going for a kill shot what you need to i mean in the police's defense that's what you need to do in that situation because if you just wound him Mm-hmm. You don't know if he's going to get up and just start shooting the class. You don't know if he's going right. to start shooting out the window. You or have shooting to, at the press. Or, yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to. You have to take him out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But thanks to Titus, thanks to Titus, the helpful <laughs> padlock, Titus, your old cock knocker, Charlie survives. Um, I mean, he's he's a little beat up. He's though. he's, like, he's winded. He's you winded. Know? He's Ted, gotta, Ted leaps to his feet immediately. He's like, yeah. they killed him, and he's trying yeah. to get out. And uh, and Charlie's like, sit down. Yeah, kind of with a weak arm, yeah. points the gun like "sit down, Ted." And yeah, it's uh, he's got the padlock shaped indentation yep. in his chest, and yep. and what the bullet made it a good way through the padlock, I think, too, right? And then uh, what else did it say that that the shrapnel from the padlock had the way burst it exploded, out the front of his burst out, and it it ripped up his shirt, but it didn't actually hit his skin. So there's just kind of that right angle where it ripped his clothing apart, but because it was just, I believe, it's like the plastic part of the padlock, the, yeah, the spinny the front, part yeah. that was that been in blew the metal behind and... it would have prevented any of the plastic from going back, and so it just sort of exploded Explo- outward. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, and then there's this is the only point in the book where there's a, a footnote. Where Charlie mentions that, like some years later, there was a uh, a TV commercial for a certain lock. He couldn't remember the name of the brand. It was either Master or something. Yeah, else, yeah. Where they showed it being shot by a bullet, and uh, you know he was in his. And what he hated the commercial or something. Well, right? yeah, he watched it, and it was like the only time he saw it he one time. Saw, he saw it one time, yeah. and it was sort of the only time he ever saw the idea or the like the bullet actually strike and, and cause the. And he thought about what it could have done to him, and it just immediately threw up. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, I think he's, he's in his institution at that point, and yeah. the next day his therapist was like, you know what, I heard something set you back yesterday, Charlie. Would you like <laughs> to talk about it? And yeah. nope, he didn't. He nope. still doesn't. Nope. Um, which I guess, I mean, that is, it's it's the moment where he nearly died, and so I guess that's going to carry some trauma. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the pain of it too, right? It, you know, even though he didn't die, right? The the bruising to the chest, like it's very visceral. Like he he still took a lot of oh, damage. Oh yeah, he's talked about yeah. how his chest was indented to the point where you could like hold water in it. Yeah, yeah, and like the shape of the pad, the shape you know, of the pad, like, yeah. you know, an inch deep into his chest or something, right? Like that's that's some serious damage. But I mean, he survives, uh, and um, he he fires back at the police. Yep. So they when when they took the shot, right? The police on the lawn started coming towards the school, um, and I think really like Ted getting up is probably what Charlie what brought Charlie back to his senses quicker uh, than maybe he he would have, right? Right. Seeing Ted kind he's of on the movie, he's like, control, I got to get Ted under yeah. control. And I think he takes a shot at Ted, doesn't he? Or does he take one and miss Ted? I, I think sure. he does. I don't yeah, remember. I don't possibly. have a note on it, but. It like hits the door frame or something yeah. like that, maybe. Yeah, and then fires at the police because he's so yeah. quiet at that point, still, right? Yeah, telling Ted yeah. to, to sit down. 
Ted does sit down. He fires at the police. Uh, Mr. Denver, I think, comes in. Uh, I don't have a note on it. Yeah, De- Mr. Denver comes to the office, um, <laughs> tries to tell Charlie it was an accident. Yeah. And he's like, fuck off. Don't pull yeah. that shit with me. Um, and now, you know, he's got a certain amount of the upper hand again because, like, the 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 authorities are like, well, yeah, that was our would, one Hail yeah. Mary moment. Well, Fuck now he now. tells them that he's going to close the shades, and uh, is that... Is I think that the shades are a little later. Okay. This is where he says, um, I don't want anyone in the office until noon. Right. Don't come back until noon. You'll get updates then, basically. Right. Okay, okay. Um, and he just moves away from the window. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, and then we get back to Sandra's story. Yes. And it's now 10.55. Thank you for keeping track of the time. I did not. Yeah, anytime there was, after, after that first uh, half of the book, anytime there was a mention of time, I was kind of like, I, I, I made a little note of it, right? Because the timeline seemed to move a little funkily uh, a little bit. So, yeah, just kind of interesting how things, like, I mean, we're still, it's not even 11 o- o'clock, right? And, no. You know, no. so it's, you know, the, there's a lot happening. Uh, you know, Charlie's just been sniped and, you know, it's not even 11 in the morning. We're right around recess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but so now we get back to Sandra's story. So now I guess this is where we get more of the details on Ted's <coughs> shortcomings. And... Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she talks about how she, you know, dated Ted for a while. Um, and then they kind of split up for a while. And then um, there was this one night they went out to like a roller derby. The roller right? dome. Yeah. And um, I mean, what's going to get you horned up rather than the roller? Oh, totally. Dome, right? Um, rental roller skates, mm, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, nothing like swimming in other people's old sweat. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and some kind of a fight breaks out between. It was other people, yeah. Right? Like they weren't directly involved. No, in no, the no. Fight. It was yeah. like, but, but it was like there was it, it, it. To me, it felt like it. It created an era of violence. Yeah. Because you know, either during or after the fight. Um, Somebody goes by and and happens to say to Ted something like, you know, hope you fuck her. I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and I think Ted at that point has been kind of uh, worked up by the violence because he goes mm-hmm. over and just like fucking decks the guy just pops yeah. him um, and then comes back to to Sandra. And this, like, this is a while ago, so we'd imagine he's still kind of on the football team and, you know, still Mr. Popular and, and you know, still in that kind of mm-hmm. time frame of Ted's life before things, you know, with his mom went downhill and, and that kind of stuff, right? So, um, you know, he, yeah, he, we can imagine he's pretty pumped up, yeah. right? You know, he's he's this, you know, football guy taking out this pretty girl to the roller dome and, you know, Gets a little involved, and yeah, he's 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 riled up. He's ready to go. And so, uh, after you know taking the the guy who insulted his girl down, mm-hmm. um, he takes his pumped up self and and Sandra out to the back seat of his straight car, straight to the back seat, straight yeah, to the back no, seat. Nothing no. more romantic than <laughs> the back seat outside the uh, roller dome. Apparently, it's a thing at the roller dome. It it is, is, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, away they go. Um, she mentions that he didn't use protection. Yeah. But she didn't get pregnant. She didn't get pregnant. Uh, and that he had sort of said all those things that you do afterwards, like, oh, I'm, I'll marry you if you get pregnant. Yeah, and da, yeah. da, 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 da. Ted was a real stand-up guy. Ted back, was a stand-up guy yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but 
but she, it doesn't do much for her. Yeah, she she's disappointed. Yeah, I think I I don't know if she says that explicitly, but you know we can tell that she's disappointed in the encounter. I mean, it doesn't last long. Doesn't make her feel very good. Um, and then you even know, the fact that she doesn't get pregnant is a, is in a way a disappointment yeah. because none of it felt real. Yes, right. And that's one of the things she talked about is how she kind of she had her and this was her first time. Yeah. The, the other guy was was not obviously telling the truth, uh, but this was her first time with Ted. Uh, and in her mind, I think it didn't feel like a first time at all. Like she, I think disappointment is a, is a good word on it's all a, fronts. Right? It was a bad sexual experience. Yeah. There were no repercussions, no pregnancy. Uh, like nobody knew it happened. So she wasn't getting, you know, looked at sideways by people in town. There was no shame. There was like nothing. It was like yeah. this thing had not happened. And, and so she decides she wants to have a more real experience. Yeah. Goes back to the roller dome because where else are you going to go in Placerville? I mean, this is the place to pick up strange, apparently. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, she just kind of picks a guy, lets him pick her up. Yeah. Um, They go back. Back to the famous parking lot of the roller dome. Alley or whatever behind the roller dome. No car this time. Uh, What? Wasn't it his car? I think. I, I don't think there was a vehicle. Okay. I could be wrong, but okay. I don't remember I th- there being. I thought there I, was, I like it it was, was back in just, another back seat. But could okay. be. I thought it was just fumbling in the back alley. Because this could, doesn't go be, anywhere yeah. either. Like, Well, for her it does. So she has a much better experience she, well, this but, time. I mean, he doesn't even get it in. No, but she gets off. So yeah. for her, it's a much more realistic. It's a better time, right? I mean, I think... At least it feels he, real. He, he played around the entrance of the cave a lot, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. uh, but for her, I think being with a stranger and being more more visceral and more maybe dangerous yeah, of an it encounter, was, it, it, right? It, you know, it, she, she, she really these, got her turned on. She has she, these moments of fantasies yeah. of like, maybe yeah. he'll kidnap me and, and, and take me to a secluded place. That's and like, right. That gets her all hot and bothered. Yeah. And, and she and she gets off and he, he doesn't. But because she well, I, gets, I assume that he he did just not within. I I don't know because she gets off and then he was like, "Oh, you did that on purpose, you bitch!" And right, he's all pissed off that she got off and that he didn't. No, I think see again. This is the way I read it: is that like I, I think he came too early, right? I think with him like trying to get in and, and her her trying to help. Oh, maybe. And I think you know he's at that age where you don't have much you don't stamina. Have, you don't have the time. And I think to, that's what yeah. he's talking okay. about when he says you did that on purpose. That she, he's accusing her of not letting him, letting in him, and... or actually jerking him off to the point where he came hmm. before penetration is the way I read it. Okay. But and this is this is something about the way Stephen King writes sex is he's not real explicit. Yeah. and it's a and lot of subtlety and innuendo. My takeaway was that he didn't finish, that the guy didn't finish in this case, and that that was even more frustrating uh, you know, for him and more exciting for her in the sense that she was able to, you know, arrive or finish or, you know, however you want to term it, without him kind of getting there, right? And, and feeling a little more powerful in, in that sense. I mean, I, I kind of took it that way, but... Yeah, I mean, I think either way, she got out of that experience what she wanted, right? She got, um, you know, that. Oh yeah, totally. That sexual totally. Totally. experience yeah. that she was looking for and that Ted Ted couldn't provide. Uh, but listeners, if you have a if you have a preference on how that section should be read, let us know. Yeah, send us did, some comments. Did random uh, roller dome guy get off or not? Yeah, we this, need to this know. could be the tagline we need to know. Yeah. we're looking for here. <laughs> 
let's get it on. Let's or get it on. maybe just or get maybe, close. Maybe not. Yeah. So um, Ted is is kind of. I don't know how to describe Teddy here. He's, he's kind of he's he can't believe she just told this both he, of those stories, right? He's he's fuming in, and he's upset. I think in a few different regards. So I think one personally, right? Some of this story is embarrassing. Oh, totally, uh, to, yeah, for him. But but also more than that, he he being the outcast in the classroom, which we already know, he's not on board the whole. Hey, let's talk about our, you know, what we're, you know, some of our darkest truths. And, you know, he's not on board with that, right? So for him to see Sandra, you know, who was an object of, of Ted's desire at one point to buy into this and then also tell these personal stories and then go beyond that to mm-hmm. tell, you know, something that people would really never, pardon me, talk about in this kind of time frame in the 70s to talk about as a woman to talk about yeah, it's sexual kind of, experience. A, a, kind of a dirty, a depraved yeah. almost story yeah, to be which, admitting that you're doing that. You know, which for kids of that time, right, I mean, the, the labels and the, the, the shame and that kind of stuff that would go around with telling a story like that, that kind of, those walls had been broken down, I think, already in the classroom. But for Ted, they're still real in the sense that, you know, he, he hasn't bought into this this whole kind of thing, this journey that they're on. Yeah. And for him he's he's kinda like, How you know, how dare you speak like that? That that's not how you talk. You don't say these things out loud to this is stuff you keep bottled up inside. And so he's he's personally embarrassed, but he's also I think in a sense upset on behalf of Sandra or or there's some indignation or some, you know, part of him still tied to society that goes, no, this is not right. This is not, um, you know, proper. Uh, and so he's upset about that as well. And then I think also in a sense, the fact that Charlie's letting this all happen, right. Or that because Charlie's doing this. So now he's even more, you know, angry at Charlie, right. For letting this all unfold. So there's, there's lots of anger bubbling up in Ted. He's kind of seething, um, a little bit after this story. But Charlie stays true to his word here. So he, he's, you know, got a story about, uh, about the sex life from two well, students. So first of all, there is, um, there's a quick aside where uh, at the end of this chapter, so Carol Granger says, I'm afraid all this changes things. I don't like it. I like the way things were going, Charlie. I don't want things to change after this is over. And it's it's this feeling like they've hit a, a turning point in in the conversation. Things are getting too darker, real. too real, um, and and it's this acknowledgement that um, that Carol, at least, maybe some of the rest of the class, kind of were just vibing with it while it was kind of fun. And yeah, now it's, too it's and now they there's also this sense that like this can't go on indefinitely. Uh, and then also, uh, Irma Bates announces that she has to use the bathroom. <laughs> Charlie, uh, basically just says, hold it. Yes. Uh, that gets us to chapter 26, which is the story of Charlie, uh, almost getting laid. Yeah. Yeah. And not for lack of trying on the, on the ladies part either. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> he was really invested and he couldn't, he couldn't get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, this is another, uh, you know, Joe, uh, what is his McKennedy. name? McKennedy. Um, I just, I only have Joe in my notes ever. So. I keep wanting to say Joe McGinnis, which is the yeah. name of a guy who I wrote a book. I want to say Joe McCready for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's Joe McKennedy, finally. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Joe, uh, Joe, him and Joe 
um, hook up with a, a friend named uh, Pete. Well, it's Joe's, it's Joe's older brother or cousin or something. There's some relation Cousin, to I think yeah, you're right. Yeah. Cousin Pete. Yeah. Uh, and then they meet up with another guy named, like, Scraggs or something. Scruffy Scraggs. Yeah, yeah or... something like that. Um, and they're going to go to a party. So they went to visit him up in college or something, right? Yeah. Like a weekend trip up to check out the college. Ostensibly... You know, for for academic reasons, uh, I'm sure. But also, they're told there's yeah. be like tons of chicks there. That's right. Yeah. Just go get some weed first. That's right. Yeah. So they go get some weed. They smoke some weed. Charlie like gets stoned for the first time. Yeah. Uh, they get to the party, uh, and at the party, they encounter uh, this chick who's in this crazy short dress. Yeah. Um, she's Charlie is like staring hard. He's obsessed with this. He's girl. horny yeah. as. Horny as fuck for this Dana girl, um, who's kind of like Pete's crush or something as well. I yeah, think, right? Pete or uh, Dana at one point says that she has a kind of a thing going on yeah. with Pete. Um, obviously, it's semi-casual because, yeah. you know, basically, so Charlie's staring up her dress all yeah. night. Anytime she moves her legs or yeah. anything, he's just, you know, like, or when she's standing next to him, her, her thigh is pressed up against his. That's he's right. very aware of how warm it is and. He's got this raging boner. He's yeah. He's got a like raging heart on the whole time. You know, and, and, and she kind of notices. Yeah, she she picks up on the. She's not oblivious to his uh, his, his eyes. Yeah, fucking her all. all and night. so eventually, she like comes up and whispers in his ear, like you know, I know I, I've seen you staring. Meet me outside. Yeah, and uh, and he's like. Okay. Yeah, he's he's in. He's he's like right on. This he has is a awesome. moment of like you know, should I untuck my pants so I can. Yeah, hide my and I remember those moments in in high school. Yeah. Where, you know, as a teenager, you can't always like control when those things can't, happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's awkward sometimes. Out, out under the patio, he goes, uh, yeah. almost takes a header off the side and falls like twenty feet, but uh, but survives. Survives. Yeah. Uh, he's out there for kind of an undetermined amount of time. He's too stoned seems like to, a long time though. But he does say he's too stoned to really notice. Yeah. yeah. But it's enough time for uh, things his, to calm down, his body to relax. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And when she does finally come out, uh, no amount of trying will get his little fella to respond. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I can't remember if there's a time frame here, but it's in my mind for some reason it seems like they tried for like an hour or something. Like quite a bit of effort went into reviving. Little Charlie. There's certainly talk of like yeah. attempts and, and like and some serious. They, they end up uh, like work. fully naked at, yeah. at one point, and and it just you know. Yeah. There's the comparison of or trying like, to like shove, shove a marshmallow into a piggy bank. Yeah, and it's just like it's not going to happen. That's right. And Dana's like, you know, it, maybe it's for the best, you know, because of she's a, well, she's a little pissed because I mean she's worked on him for for a while here. That's true, got, got but I mean, out of it, she but, does eventually sort of yeah. say like, you know, well, it's probably for the best with Pete and everything else. And yeah. I'm I'm sure yeah. you're a great lover when you're not stoned. Yeah, and I like how he's like, she's like, you know, it happens to everyone. He's like, not to me, like, like as if he he's had this long uh, list of sexual conquests. But it said it's because this is the first time it's ever happened, period. Yeah, that's right. Um, And uh, so she goes back in and basically says, don't, you know, wait a few minutes before you come in. Just so obviously people don't see us together. Uh, When he does go back in. Dana and Pete are both gone. Um, Joe is on this couch making out with some random hot chick. Um, and does he... I don't remember if he just... I guess he hangs out until it's time to leave. I don't think he ditches Joe or anything. 
Yeah, I, I don't think so. The I next think... bit I have is him at home having a dream. Yeah, well, there's there's a there's one other important thing here where he has the clarity, whether it's because he's stoned or not, and I, I guess clarity might not be the right word, but he feels that this incident of being on the cusp of you know becoming sexually active and not being able to get there, right? He has this feeling that this is going to scar him. He, he, in the moment, seems to realize that this is going to cause him emotional mm. trauma, mm. right? He has this, this feeling of like, oh, this is going to fuck me up. Right in the moment, like as it's happening kind of thing, which I think is both prescient a little bit uh, in the sense that obviously, you know, he's, he's troubled uh, as, he, as he, you know, moves through this story, but also that... You know the the family life, his his dynamic with his father, all this kind of stuff, and then on top of it, this uh, you know essentially a failure at his first sexual confrontation, right? Is is just another, you know, not nail in the coffin per se, but it, it is another layer of trauma that is not helping him, um, you know, adjust or become a normal uh, child. And again, I, I think it carries with it that sense in the seventies of how you know bad sexual experiences can lead to mental illness mm-hmm. right you know those again those Freudian right, things yeah, yeah. um clearly links those things yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh he does have a dream that night though which is maybe the you know the first impact of his bad sexual experience uh where he has a nightmare about the creaking thing which is his father which is yeah. his father uh the creaking thing approaching his 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 bedroom door uh the door opens up and his dad is is carrying his mother Yes. In his arms, and his mother has been the recipient of a Cherokee nose job. That's right. Which, yeah. if you missed the last episode, is when uh, the nose is slit to basically put a vagina on the face of an unfaithful woman. That's right. Yep. Uh, and then uh, his dad says to him, you want her? Here, take her, you worthless good-for-nothing. Take her. And yeah. throws her on the bed. Well, and she's dead. And she's dead, yeah. She's already dead, too, yeah. And then Charlie wakes up screaming with an erection. Yes. I thought I thought that was a a real twist to that where he wakes up screaming but also has the Yeah, the now now there. your erection's back. That's yeah. not great timing. That's all but... it took was some creaking thing. Yeah. A little troubling there. A little so troubling. I, I yeah, I mean I think immediate effect of trauma uh, yeah. on top of uh, yeah. on top of everything else I, I never want to wake up from a fucked up dream with a massive erection. I feel like that's like well, I think you have to more clearly define fucked up dream for that scenario, but uh, I mean, if, I if you're talking good night, example, you're but... talking nightmare scenario, uh, I'll agree. But I mean, you know, you can have some fucked up dreams that are okay. I mean, what about like, I don't know, like just fighting aliens and murdering aliens. You wake up with an erection. I think that'd be weird. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I think there's there's a certain element of... You know, being a, being a heroic champion that you know could could get you like right. horned up in a sense, right? Like maybe not explicitly sexually, right? But just being, um, you know, really really hyped up in the sense of I'm saving the universe or whatever. Right. Like, every the blood's flowing everywhere, whatever. You know, right. like I could I could kind of see it. Okay, you know, we're gonna get into real physiological. Tune in uh, next week for a new <laughs> podcast. What is it okay to wake up from a dream with a heart on? That's right. There's a tagline. Um, yeah. <laughs> when is it okay to wake up from a dream with a heart on? Uh, chapter 27. You heard it here first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there is uh, this kind of dead silence after this story. 
Um, and and Charlie, Charlie's stories are always well received by the class. Well, right? and this is where like Charlie finally has this not, this moment where he's like he he kind of thinks that Sandra's story was better than his because at least there was an orgasm involved. Yes, and yeah. um, well, and and this is what you were saying earlier uh, when we opened uh, this episode about uh, his thoughts of losing the class or yes or, or being uh, no longer really in control. And this of, is where it, where yeah. it happens that like he starts to feel that maybe. You know they're the ones in charge now, and and he except for Ted, yeah. Ted is is still at the bottom of the barrel, but like he's no longer sure that he's the one holding them hostage. Mm-hmm. It, it almost feels like they're holding him hostage. That you know, in the in I guess in the way that they're hound not hounding him necessarily, but like saying, "Tell us another story. Tell us another story." Yeah, he almost I could see him almost feeling like he's become almost like a dancing monkey for this classroom. Yeah, right? and I think not that the story fell flat per se right but obviously the silence and the you know like the the realization that maybe his material isn't quite as strong as some of the other students in the class right it 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 doesn't it's, give it's him strong a, in its own way it's it, it it's strong in the sense of like we're really starting to piece together a lot about charlie yeah but from from what this i think maybe the other students were looking for right like they're they're maybe not getting the the wild nature, right? Like, you know, this guy just shot, you know, two teachers a couple hours ago at this point. Uh, and they're, I think they're looking for stuff that's a little more outlandish and crazy and wild and to have this, you know, fairly, you know, not to say typical, but a lot of teenagers, I think have these kind of experiences where they're, you know, they go to a party and they're going to get it on and then, you know, something happens. And yeah. I mean, the they story gets sexually frustrated and, you know, like, yeah, the, you know. I mean, that story is pretty yeah benign, but I, I think it's the ending it with the, you know, I had a dream the about my mother the, with yeah. the jerky nose job and the erection and the erection. And then like, everyone's like, there's not much to say after that besides yeah. like, Charlie, you're kind of fucked up. Well, yeah, or or like most of the class being like, yeah, been there, done that. Been there, done that. <laughs> um, uh, Irma still has to pee, and so Charlie's like, just fucking go then. I mean, good honor for holding it through that story, right? Or like, you know, not interrupting. Like that's Irma's classy. Irma's classy. Yeah. Um, and Charlie's like, yeah, go pee, and she's like, no, you'll shoot me. And he's like, well, like go if you're gonna go or don't. Just I don't want to. I don't want to puddle under your chair. That's right. And so she kind of carefully gets up and cautiously goes and and he thinks about shooting her, wonders I mean, if, if he should, wonders if he will even almost. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't. She Away she goes. Yeah. Unlocks the door. Yeah. Walks down the hall. And the rest of the class is kind of seeing how this is going to go as well. Right there. Everybody's listening to her walk down the hallway. They hear her footsteps, you know, kind of recede. Uh, into nothingness, uh, you know. I don't. I'm not sure if there's a bathroom door that we hear or not. I think it's just more the footsteps footsteps fading away. Um, and then, then there's kind of this anticipation in the sense that you know what's going to happen, right? Ted is just sitting there straight. I got straight hating on Charlie, yeah. like just fuming and seething, you know, like just like I, you know, the hatred that he has for Charlie. Um, you know, I, I think as we, as we've said before in several different aspects, right. In terms of, you know, um, letting these stories out in terms of people revealing truths about him as well as themselves. Um, and he's just got no love lost for Charlie, just straight up hating him. And then they hear some footsteps coming back and Ted is, you know, whether it's just, he's so focused in on his hate and wanting to take Charlie down. He's like, Oh, this is it. 
they're coming. They're going to get you, Charlie, yeah. right? He's Ted's all on it. He's like, finally, you know, they're going to take you down. And Charlie even starts to believe it for him. Yeah. He's getting himself ready. He's got yeah. his he's got his gun. He he's, reloads his gun and yeah. yeah, he's ready to go and uh but it's just it's, it's just Irma. Irma. And everyone's like staring at her as yeah. the door opens. She's like, "What? Yeah. People go to the bathroom, you know." Yeah, like she's just kind of like she thinks that they're they're uh a little worried about what she was up to in the bathroom or something like yeah. that, right? Like people pee, you know, like it wasn't a poo. <laughs> like you but know. again, this is another one of those moments of like she could have left. Yeah, she could have just fucking walked out. She could have easily left the school. But I think like what we've we've been talking about, the class is kind of invested. Exactly. In how this thing exactly. Turns out, right. Good or bad, whether they're in it for the truth reveal or whether they're you know curious to see if he shoots someone else, they're they're in it. They yeah. want to see what happens. They're not like Ted, where they want to take Charlie down and and get out of there and you know, get home and, or be a hero or whatever it is, you know, they're kind of like, Hey, let's see where this goes. And so Irma comes back as, as shy and, uh, you know, kind of not really out there as she, as she had been. Uh, she's, she's in that, whether it's a mob mentality or what, but you know, for most of the class, they're, they're really they're invested. They want to see what happens. they're really invested. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now it's chapter 28. It's noon. It's well, yeah. So at end of chapter twenty-seven. I have my note here. It's almost. It's noon. almost noon. It's almost noon. Well, I, chapter twenty-eight is noon because that's yes. when Vilbrick gets back that's on right. the. This uh, is the appointed the time. This is the appointed times, yes. uh, and Charlie promises uh, he will let everyone go in an hour. Yes, at, at one at o'clock, one p.m. precisely. Everyone will will be let out. Um, and Vilbrick doesn't necessarily trust him, but well, it's very much. A, to, yeah. not, what are you going to do? There's not much you can do. And this is the point where he draws the He draws the, the blinds. Yeah. yeah. He says, someone's going to get up and draw the blinds. Don't get trigger happy because it's not going to be me. And you're <laughs> yeah. going to have a dead kid on your hands. Yeah. Um, and he announces to the class. And, and is this also with Philbrook on the intercom that they have one more piece of business? I think, I think he's still I think he here. does say that. They have one yeah. more piece of business. They have one more piece of business. Um, to take care of before yeah. he can let everyone go, yeah. right on their on their journey of getting it on yes. for the day, right? Yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting that when he asked the uh, asked the student if anyone wanted to close the blinds, there's a few people who volunteer. Mm-hmm. Again, that's more of the you know people sort of being along for the ride at this point. Um, and now we get we finally get the story of what happened with that science teacher. Yeah, so I, I just have this note about the one more piece of business is actually two. So yeah, because two it's, things. It's two stories basically. Yeah, what happened to Mister Carlson uh, and and kind of his suspension and all that, and then what and happened then the the last piece of business, which I think we'll we'll discuss a little. Well, bit later. I think I think the two pieces of business he refers to at this point is. The one story in two parts. It's the the science teacher and also how he got it on with his dad afterwards. Right. right? Yeah. Those are the two he's referring to. Because I don't think he necessarily he knows in this the, moment okay. what that last thing is. Yeah. Um, Even though it's, I think, it's starting to it's coalesce. It's starting to for coalesce. The, for the class, yeah. Okay. Um, and so the story is, you know, at this point, Charlie's pretty fucked up. This isn't that long ago. This is like maybe... I don't know. How long was it? Six it's like months, three or four three months, months, I think. Yeah. Um, he's been having more weird but, dreams. But prior to him hitting the teacher, he, yeah, he's already fucked up in a sense, right? He'd been carrying the pipe wrench to school for, for a while. months already yeah. before this incident, right? Because he liked having it. It made him feel secure. That's it made him right. feel better. Yeah. Calmed his stomach. All That's those right. sorts of yeah. things. 
Um, which I mean, you're you're in a pretty rough place where you know that kind of um, physical security blanket type thing is is going to have that kind of calming effect on you, right? Yeah. But he felt he felt I think like he was in danger or being picked on, um, that kind of thing, right? And and this made him. Uh, this was his his you know psychological crutch was yep. having this pipe wrench, which because it was winter at the time. Uh, oh, he had these long he, sweaters. He, that yeah, he his, had these big sweaters. Grandma had um, he got two for two him. every Christmas or yeah. something like that from his grandma. Twice a year, when a birthday, when yeah, at Christmas, yeah. they hung long. They covered like his that's right his pockets. So, so he, he, he could, in his back pocket. yeah, he could get away with carrying this pipe wrench uh, without anyone knowing. Uh, and yeah, he had been bringing it to school for months already. Yeah. And so on this particular day, uh, the teacher asked him to go up to the board and complete a problem, which is something Charlie. Well, it was chemistry class, but there was, was a, like prob- a physics problem. It was a physics problem that had been left on the board. I guess chemistry, physics teacher right he's teaching yeah. two different subjects. It was a problem from the previous class, and and he was called up. I think. Really, kind of to be picked on a little bit. Yeah, because right? like, he acknowledges that he always hated doing these things, and yeah. and and that the teacher kind of knew that. Yeah. And as he's failing to complete the problem, the teacher does start kind of ribbing him a little bit, kind of poking at him. Yeah, right. Like he he tries a few different ways and kind of fucks it up and has to erase and start again. And and the teach like the teacher like you can picture this like mean seventies bully teacher kind of guy starts needling him like you know hey, what are you, you know like which you know man what are you gonna do right? well and it also reminds him of the way that uh dickie was needling him at yeah. uh at the party yeah and uh uh i don't know that i don't have a moment that like broke the camel's back but at a certain point uh, he goes to grab the pipe wrench uh and he knocks it out of his pocket and lands on the ground yeah, yeah, he reaches for it, he kind of pulls it out and fumbles it, and it falls kind of, I think, in in between him and the teacher. Yeah, and the teacher's like, oh, what's this? Yeah. Charlie grabs it and uh, kind of goes to swing it, and in, in swinging back, he hits the chalkboard. Yeah. And, and this is where he notices him hitting the chalkboard, the teacher flinches, yes. right? Like, he's like, oh! Like, oh, on my chalkboard, right? And then he goes to town on the chalkboard. He starts pounding the shit out of the chalkboard. And, I mean, pipe wrench the chalkboard. Like, he's taking chunks out of it, right? He he hits the the chalk rest, too, and, you know, which the chalk rest gets revenge later on. We know that, but... (laughs) You know, yeah, he's so he's going, he's hitting the chalkboard and the chalk rest, uh, and Mr. Carlson's trying to get him to stop. Uh, but he's not having it. He's beating the because every he's getting a reaction every time, right? He's getting these little flinches from the teacher, right? So he's he's getting his revenge. He's been teased his whole life, you know, or at least since he was twelve years old, and teased and picked on by the teachers, and now he's he's getting this this bit of sweet revenge, uh, as it were. Um, and then uh, after Mister Carlson trying to kind of get involved and get him to stop, he uh, clubs him turns his attention to him and just takes a big old swing with the pipe wrench, hits him in the head. Knocks Lot, the glasses off. Yeah, lots of blood. Lots of blood. I, I think some teeth or something as well. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, like um, he, he gets a good shot in on Mr. Carlson. But he also immediately stops. Yeah. Like yeah. the he talked about how like seeing the glasses off and it's sort of like this naked face. Yes, and the blood. And, and the blood. Yeah. He just sort of like dropped the wrench, went to the principal's office and immediately confessed. Uh, well, he, and he's arrested too. Yeah. He gets arrested yeah. as well. Um, kind of right there. And then, yeah, then they get into all these, 
you know, conferences with the school. And, you know, I, I don't think it really describes much of what was discussed per se, but obviously we know from earlier in the book that, you know, going to some private, you know, boarding school or whatever it was, some, some sort of, a, remember, institution, the name of the, the academy Remantle or, or something. Yeah. Right. Like, um, so, there, you know, there's been some discussion around yeah, this and he's what, got to what see the, the school psychiatrist daily. Right, yeah. Um, there's, there's a, you know, him going to the teacher's, hospital room and having to apologize That's and right, you yeah. know all of this stuff going on well the other th- interesting thing too is that through these discussions somehow all the charges are dropped as well right so he's he doesn't actually face any right any police charges right right um so not sure it it doesn't say whether it's you know maybe part of his father's meddling or his mother's you know pleading or we don't know why or how the maybe the psychiatrists him. you know he's he's also a minor as well still yeah. at this time right so but either, either way i mean the charges are dropped so he's kind of free and clear in that sense uh and then um after the apology then charlie's dad is driving him home and he's like you better go get changed because meet now, me in the garage. Now we're yeah. going to have some words. Yeah. Meet me in the garage. Change into some clothes that can take a beating. Yeah, well, <laughs> meet he's, me in the he's garage. In, he's in a, not the corduroy suit, but he's in. Yeah, he's, he's in, in nice... some fancy stuff because yeah. it, it's right after the apology yeah. uh, at the yeah. hospital. Yeah, Because I guess at that point, like everything else is done. Like you've, yeah. you've done the initial speaking to the school, speaking to the psychiatrist, do the apology, charges dropped. Yeah. Everything's taken care of except the final word with paw. That's right. Yeah. Now, now it's time for the showdown. Yeah. And it, it turns out to be a showdown. It does. It really does. And it's his first. And this is this is after you know, we've had I think a few stories involving you know Charlie's terror of his dad. Mm-hmm. Whether you know it's just because of the you know the violent stories at uh, well hunting. Yeah. Whether it's the being physically, you know, picked up and thrown at the ground. Yeah. Whether it's just the which we can only imagine that wasn't the only time. No, that exactly. That Those are physical just punishment. The, the individual moments, yeah. but there's probably way more. Yeah. And that's this is finally Charlie's moment to stand up to his dad. Yeah. Well, and and he's old enough now, right? I mean, whether he's 16 or 17, or you know, kind of where he was at within this period, uh, he he's he's a man now, yeah. right? He or he's at least big enough to. To challenge his father, right? And when he gets out to the garage, he, he kind of notices for the first time that his dad is starting to look old. Mm-hmm. You know, his stomach isn't as flat as it used to be. It's, you know, he's too many beers and not enough exercise. And, yeah. You know, more, that. <laughs> more wrinkles around his face and, you know, uh, some busted uh, veins in his nose from yeah. the alcohol. And, um, and his dad is unlooping his belt. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, is about to, you know... Give him a thrashing. Yeah, but and Charlie stands up to him. Basically says, he no, says, you're fucking not. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not going to do it. Uh, and what? Is, I, so he takes a swing at him, I think, with the belt. So Charlie dodges the first swing. Dodges the first swing. And and this kind of, I think, surprises his dad and surprises Charlie, too. I think, yeah, right? he's almost so shocked that like he, he doesn't even move for the second swing. And the second swing catches him on the cheek. Yeah, the belt buckle yeah. gets him on the cheek, which cuts him open. He rips his cheek open. Yeah. He's bleeding. And his dad... Has that instinctive moment of oh my god, Charlie, yeah, and is is good. Well, be- I think I think his dad after the first swing, I think was expecting another dodge. Maybe like, you know, maybe was like, hey, we're kind of play fighting or we're fainting around a little bit. You know, maybe that's what his dad was thinking, because it really surprises his dad that he not only makes contact right, but that he draws blood. It's and, the extent and, of the damage yeah, I think that yeah. that shocks his dad. It's that like it's it's one thing to. 
like it's one I, I think a, a dad I shouldn't shouldn't say that necessarily but like an abusive parent I think it would have an easier time spanking their children mercilessly than one strike that drew blood right mm-hmm. like as soon as you see blood that that is the it gives you that feeling that you've gone too far that's right even yeah. if a spanking would have maybe caused more pain and more damage because you don't see that blood you don't feel that that moment of oh i've i've done something wrong and this is almost like i think it, it's it's reminiscent of when he threw charlie at the ground and charlie has that moment where he's not breathing and his dad's like oh my god i'm so sorry yeah this is the same sort of thing where he sees the yeah. blood i've taken it too far and he's like yeah. mom's going to notice this that's right and yeah. i'm going to be in trouble but charlie doesn't care that his dad has that moment of remorse cuz he he grabs the belt Yanks his dad towards him yeah. and punches him in the guts. Yeah, knocks knocks his dad down yep. onto the ground. So this is this is the very first time I think. Well, one that Charlie's confronted his father, and and that he's essentially kind of bested him in yeah. combat as well, right? So knocking your dad to the ground. I mean, you know that's that's a big big moment for a kid, especially who's lived in fear of of the creaking thing for exactly. so many years, yeah. right? To be able to 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 knock him down and and then we get into the real kind of standoff of the thing where you know they both stand up right his dad grabs it's uh, a rake i think a rake uh and charlie grabs a hatchet charlie grabs a hatchet right and right. it this... goes back to his lesson of uh the bigger stick here. yeah and it is kind of a, a mexican standoff kind of yeah. moment it's they're both like who's gonna flinch here that's right yeah and then they both just put their yeah. Weapons away. I think, I think his father moves first to put the weapon away, or to, to stand down. It could yeah. be for sure. I, I, yeah, I think so. Right. Just I think you know having that moment of like you said, you know whether he's trying to be outrightly abusive to you know to toughen up his kid or whatever it was, right? But you know that oh I've gone too far, and you know Charlie's obviously still bleeding at this point, and you know I think I think he realizes well, and I think oh, he's also got bit. this moment where. He doesn't know anymore what Charlie's capable of. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't know for sure that he can win this fight. Yeah. And yeah. With Charlie that, has surprised him. With that yeah. hatchet in Charlie's hand, losing this fight could be more than just humiliating. Yes. This yeah. could lead to dismemberment or death. Yeah. And I think he's aware of that. And I think, you know, he... He, he chooses to... He chooses to avoid uh, an uncomfortable, that, yeah. awkward truce. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, come on, I'll... I'll drive you to the hospital. Well, and Charlie wants to drive himself. Charlie's like, I'll drive myself. And he's like, no, I'm yeah. driving you. So they awkwardly drive to the hospital. Yeah, together. Uh, Charlie gets, you know, six stitches. Yeah. They come back. Uh, they they tell mom a lie about what happened. Yeah. Well, the same lie they told the hospital that he tripped. Yeah, and he fell tripped in something. and caught something yeah. on a on a on a fire yeah. fire grate or something. And uh, and yeah, they're sort of in this this truce. Yeah. So now they are. I think. I don't. I don't think that he describes it as their like ships passing in the night. But essentially, they they don't really they ever engage are in again. the same house, but they keep a distance yeah. and they don't ever engage, and they're they're not really communicating. Yeah. But you know, I think I think Charlie has gained a bit of respect from his father in the sense that his father is now giving him that birth and that leeway, uh, and not you know pushing his will on him as he maybe used to. Right. So there there is. Um, uh, whether it's respect or fear or what have you, there's, you know, there's a healthy uh, amount of space that is now given Charlie yeah. in his home to, yeah. s- to be away from his father. Um, and at this point, after that fight, 
uh, Charlie starts carrying his dad's gun to school yeah. every day. Yeah. Not with ammunition, but he starts carrying the, the gun to school. In, whether he's got bulky sweaters or not, we don't we don't know. It's now replaced the um, yes because pipe wrench because the gun is the bigger stick, right? Yeah. So this lesson that Charlie learned unintentionally through the standoff is that you can get anyone's number if you have the bigger stick, yeah, right. So he he takes what he considers to be you know kind of the biggest stick around, which is the the gun that his father you know doesn't know that he knows about, uh, and he's bringing that to school. So now we're now we're into chapter thirty here. Yes. So yeah. ends the short brutal saga of Charles Everett Decker. <laughs> Charlie says, um, and it it does feel like you know he's he's finished kind of his therapy, right? He's he's outed everything he needs to out about himself to explain how he got to where he was at the mm-hmm. beginning of this book. Yeah. Um, and, but he does realize that there's one more thing. To do. Yes. Which is what you were kind of talking about. So we've alluded and danced around it, but the last order of business is showing Ted where he went. Yeah, wrong. so he Well and he asks the he class. Doesn't, exactly. Yeah. He says there's there's one more thing that we that we've got left to do. What do you guys think it is? Mm-hmm. And um Pigpen is the first one to put his hand up. Uh followed by you know, everybody else gradually. And it was uh he calls on Carol Granger mm-hmm. to answer. And I, I love that she sort of takes this moment to think about it. Like, how best to phrase yeah, this? Yeah, what's the best way to phrase this? And, and she says, we have to help show Ted where he has gone wrong. Yeah. And... Uh, which, is a, which is an interesting phrasing because the way the mob mentality came together in this classroom, right? Where the way everyone kind of got on board with seeing where this went and, and with, with sharing. Because a lot of them did share stories that yep. were very personal in nature. Maybe some went too dark or too far or what have you, but they were all on board for, and, and nobody was really, um, you know, like laughing or taking or, or teasing or anything. People were concerned, um, about hearing people's stories and, and sympathizing or, or being understanding, right? It wasn't the typical teenage, like, haha, I'm going to make fun of you for this later on. It was, people were very understanding, yep. right? And it became this very safe environment in a sense, even though there was guns and police and everything, it became kind of this safe environment for people to, d- to discuss these very personal things, right? It was group therapy in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone bought into that to some extent, except Ted, except for Ted. Right. And, and it was very visible that he was a part and outside of what was happening in that kind of collective mob catharsis kind of group therapy session. So I think it's very kind of her to to say to show Ted where he went wrong. Right. Like, yeah, he just he made a little boo boo. It was a little error that he didn't kind of get with us on this rather than. No, Ted went down a really dark path and was, you know, would have tr- turned on any of us in an instant kind of thing. It was, yeah. It was very, a very gentle way of, of putting it. Which Well, I think even in that moment, there's, there's like the possibility that Ted could still participate, right? There's, mm-hmm. There is a chance maybe in this moment for Ted to say, okay, here's my story. Yeah. But he doesn't. No. He doesn't. Well, and, and when she says this, he, he kind of gets up. And he starts making, like, I'm, I'm making for the door. Yeah, He's like, I'm done. oh, I'm, shit. I'm done with this shit. Yeah. Uh, and, and I can't remember who it is, but like one of the other students, unprompted, yeah. gets up and Blocks stops his way. Him. And then two more guys get up and kind of grab, grab his, his arms. arms. And like, like the whole class is on board. Yeah. They, you know, when the hands were going up, they knew, uh, you know, what was going on. Right. 
They, they, they knew they had someone in their midst that wasn't on board with, with getting it on, uh, and with going through this journey. Right. And, and it becomes quite visceral and violent. They start. And Charlie's not a part of it. No, Charlie's just watching. Really? Charlie has in a sense facilitated the, the coming of this event, but he doesn't participate at all. He just watches. Uh, and I mean, these, these kids go a little berserk, right? You know, so Charlie went berserk at the, at the start of the day here. We're getting close to 1 p.m. And now the rest of the class is going berserk on the person who they feel has not come with them on the journey. Yeah. Right. So they're, I don't know if it's necessarily kind of hatred or anything like that, but you know, this visceral need to try and include Ted in the journey and time is done for talking and it turns very physical, right? And, you know, obviously we will find out what happens to Ted in the end, but you know, he, he doesn't join them on the journey. No, like, you know, they start tearing his clothes off and yeah. they start, you know, they get his shoe off and they slap him in the chest with it. They pour ink on his hair and they, yeah. he starts to plead to, for them to stop and they, they stuff wadded up paper in his mouth and they just... Yeah, they, they, they kind of Lord of the Flies. Over. They the, Lord of the Flies the uh, fuck out of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at a certain point, uh, King just sort of stops describing what's happening and ends the chapter with like they fell upon him. Yeah, and uh, it's just sort of it, it gives you that like you know movie scene of like the hero getting swamped. Yeah, by, you know, yeah, yeah. In yeah. this case, it's Ted getting swamped by the class. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the inky hands all over him, and it's it's an interesting image in the sense of you know these these kids that have been sitting there peacefully for you know several hours telling stories and yes revealing some truths and you know getting getting pretty deep um turning into this violent mob right and and really picking on the outsider but it, there's i think there's a sense of like you didn't pay the fee yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you didn't. Like, you didn't you, do the entrance. You yeah. you got to listen to all of our stories, and you got to hear all of our and you didn't shits. participate. And you, we're not going to let you walk out of here with all of that without paying some price. Yeah, you know, you neglected to pay the cost of admission, so now you have to pay the penalty. Yeah, now right? it's now it's the pound of flesh. Yeah, yeah. When it's all over. Oh, and there's also. There's also not only the the physical violence, but people start leveling accusations at Ted as well of like he cheats on his oh yeah, yeah right like there's more stuff he coming che- out about on his Ted. laps yeah uh, yeah he cheats on his laps or he does this and yeah yeah you know yeah. like more stuff coming out about Ted of accusations like, and... yeah exactly that you know not only was he not paying the the price in class but no like he's even more of this hidden person uh, right which is you know, from what they've been trying to do. But again, I think that fits in with the whole idea that like if Ted himself had fessed up to any of those things, it's story time. Yeah. Right. If Ted, then, had, then if he, Ted had said, he would you know, have, yeah, I, I got to admit that like when I was in, in, uh, uh, on the football team, I cheated on laps Yeah, because, and I did it because of this. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Like again, because he didn't share his own stuff. They're, they're essentially throwing it at him yeah. as part of that penalty phase. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when it's all said and done, uh, they open the blinds back up, and uh, everybody is, says goodbye. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a cool. Uh, sorry, there's one other image. So I I said more Lord of the Flies, but Charlie sees the the kids dancing around Ted 
he sees them as as dancing gods. Right. Right. He has this vision of these godly creatures, like almost baptizing Ted in fire. Yeah. You know, in a sense, right? This kind of weird vision that he has uh, uh, of this end to their their journey right of of leveling this 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 cost on on ted and i don't know i just thought that was kind of an interesting very way for charlie to look at it very but yeah so he uh he unloads the gun uh puts it in the desk drawer yeah he he feels now they've really gotten it on right so yes, yeah he's got there's a line in the back like we have really really got really it on. really gotten it on yeah exactly um, like i mean and there there are some students in the class that we don't hear from as far as in, in the book but i think you can make the assumption that a lot of people did probably share something right obviously there's for for the pacing of the book we're we're flowing through kind of the main yeah. the main stories kind of that were shared and or some that really move things along but you got to imagine that for everyone to be so thankful for this event to happen everyone says goodbye to charlie on the way out the door right they're they're all kind of like, hey, thanks, you know, thanks for this kind of thing. Like, this was great. We'll see you later. Um, you you got to imagine that people were able to share and open up. And, um, you know, we maybe didn't hear about everyone in the class. Yeah. Uh, just because there was, you know, wasn't, wasn't the time. Uh, but clearly they've, they've gotten to share and express things that they wouldn't in any other scenario um, and that's that's life changing for a lot of them, and we'll, we'll see kind of later as as the book starts to wrap up that um, a lot of people got some good out yeah. of this, right? And, yeah, and were able to to improve their lives or their lives, you know, changed for the better for after sure. after this. Uh, not so much for Ted, but no. uh, so, <laughs> for a lot of the other students. After everyone's left, Charlie gets up and 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 checks on Ted, who is like basically just sitting in the corner, uh, covered in ink and and tears and staring off into he's mewling yeah like he's he's catatonic he's catatonic he's he's not there anymore and charlie's like you'll forget about this one day ted and then ted's still just like yeah and then charlie's like like, drooling into his lap maybe not (laughs) yeah yeah Uh Yeah. like charlie has the one-sided conversation with ted where he ends up being like well maybe you won't recover but yeah (laughs) um phil brick gets back on the intercom and it's like, all right, Charlie, it's over. Come, come surrender. And Charlie's like, come, no, you come down. Come here. get me. I'm tired. <laughs> Having yeah. a mental breakdown is exhausting. Um, and Philbrick's like, okay, great. We'll throw in the tear gas then. And Charlie's like, well, you may not want to do that because you uh, didn't do a proper head count. Yeah, there's one guy still in here. And so uh, it tells him it's Ted Jones. Uh, and so Philbrick comes down, um, comes in, gets one look at Ted, and is like. What the uh, hell did you <laughs> do? And then Charlie tries to uh, die by suicide by cop. Yeah, yeah. He the, does the uh, classic old like reach, reach behind him and hey. pretend for the gun. Yeah, yeah. And what does he say? Like here comes you shit cop. Like yeah. you know with finger guns you can only imagine, right? And uh, and Philbrick shoots him three times. Yeah, a little trigger happy there, Philbrick. Like really, a couple shots would probably well, be good. But three is. More than three is about a couple, right? Yeah, one more than a couple. Than a yeah. couple. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, three shots to uh, uh, sitting on the ground, Charlie, who's already like, you know, has a one-inch padlock-shaped indentation yeah, right. in his chest, right? Like, uh, but we we do know that Charlie uh, survives because he's survives. writing this book uh, right, after yeah. the fact. Um, so the next chapter is very short. It's just sort of the, um, the yeah, judgment the, of the court. This is, I mean, we're, we're past the denouement here, right? Now yeah. we're into, 
um, very short chapters that describe kind of an epilogue. Yeah. Yeah. Certain things. So the next chapter is the court decision. Right. So just describing he's guilty of these two crimes, except there's not, you know, he's not. Mentally, yes. Yeah, so, by reason of insanity, he can't be held accountable yeah. for his crimes at this time. So he's remanded to um, like a state mental hospital uh, until such time. So he still, the way the court decision is phrased, like if he gets better, he will then have to go back to court potentially and, and, and potentially answer for his yeah. crimes. But then uh, uh, Charlie's line about him getting mentally, you know, better to. In order to stand trial, says, yeah, until shit sticks on the moon, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's how long be. he's going to be there. Yeah. 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 So he has no no plans on really improving his mental state or at least uh, outwardly improving his mental yeah. state. Well, to... I, I don't think he's faking his mental state. I don't think no, he's well no. at all. Um, and the next chapter, again, is very short. It's, it's a letter from uh, Ted's doctor mm-hmm. talking about, uh, you know, how the treatment for Ted is going. Not very yeah, well. Ted is still yeah. catatonic. Yeah. Um, he's, so he's hesitant to try electroshock therapy, but by the end of the letter, kind of starts to consider it. Well, because uh, as... he says, like you know, um, if they within six weeks or something like that, that would be when you would normally bring in electroshock if nothing mm-hmm. else is working. Yeah. So he's basically saying, I don't, I don't really want to use electroshock at this point, but you know, if nothing improves by this point, yeah, then we, we may continue, have to do it. You know, and... what is the normal approach? Yeah. At this point, he's talking about using hallucinogens. That's right. Talks yeah. about like mescaline and psilocybin. Uh, psilocybin. Yep. Um, uh, and then but the, the last line in there is like. But the other thing too is the doctors do mention um, if only they knew what had happened. Yeah, because right? so yeah. so clearly Charlie and no one else. No, no, none of the other students exactly. have shared the kind of intimate um, goings on in the classroom. So. You know, obviously, they must have told something to their parents and the media and that kind of thing. But this class is really stuck together. And I think there's an element of of that to why they had to take Ted out as well. Yeah. So that they could have uh, 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 everyone has the same story. Everyone's on the same that's page. Right. Yeah. And you don't have this one lone voice who's like, that's not how it went down. They got rid of the outlier. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the guy, the doctor does concede at the end of the letter that he's not hopeful <laughs> yeah. for Ted's recovery. He has a lot recovery. less hope for Ted's recovery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the next chapter is a letter from, uh, from his buddy, Joe. Yes. Yeah. Um, sort of saying, you know, Hey, I hear you're, you know, off the tubes. Yeah. Um, so well, this, this seems to be, we're kind of getting a bit of the time frame of, of kind of like the court decision is, is kind of immediately after. Right. And then a little bit later, Ted's doctors yeah. are, you know, and then, and then Joe writes this letter, <clears throat> which some more time has passed and Charlie's, you know, in recovery physically um, or getting to the end of his physical recovery still in the state, uh, you know, mental institution, um, but well enough that he can receive letters apparently. Right. So Joe has heard that he's able to now write to him. And so he's written him a a rather lovely letter. Yeah. Really like really kind of friendly uh, letter from Joe. There's this, one of my favorite bits in the letter is how Joe comments on how, you know, uh, I hope, I hope they don't edit any of these things, like any things I'm going to tell you, because yeah, they're probably then, all reading your letters. Yeah, and then there's a couple. And then there's a couple. There's like, yeah. this is my favorite one. It's like, um, can you believe what Pigpen and Dick Keen did? Like, yes. wow. And then it's like redacted for 
for, you know? for patients' mental yeah. health or something. And, yeah. then, and then it's just like, you just never know what people will do these days. Yeah. I mean, I really want to know. I what really want to know, like, you know what happened there. What right? happened there? Yeah. Uh, and then there's something else, I think, involving, um, was it Irma? Irma went uh, and like... Irma Bates, uh, she became a political protester. Yeah, she was hooked up with some hippie and was yeah. protesting something. Yeah. And then there was another... And then Gracie Stanner, so the, the one who's, uh, her mom was kind of the town slut. Yep. Um, she's She got married. And then also the details of that marriage were redacted. Oh, is that the other redacted yeah. one? Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, this teen marriage. So like, was it a pregnancy? Was it, you know, like yeah. what, what happened there? Right. Why was that redacted? Uh, yeah. Just kind of interesting that uh, that Joe was once again right on the money yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> with them uh, reading reading the mail. But yeah, um, those final lines kind of you alluded to them earlier, where you talked about how people were kind of permanently changed by the, yeah. the the experience, and that's something that Joe says at the end of the letter. Like, you know, he says first of all that, like, you know, if you if they're ever allowing visitors, I'll be first in line. Yeah. Um, and uh, and people haven't forgotten Charlie. Yeah. Well, you know? they say you know everyone. He says everyone's rooting for you. Yeah. Right. And people haven't forgotten what you what you did that day. Yeah. Right. And and I think he says if you know what I mean or something like that. Yeah. Right. But you know, like it's it's clear that people were positively impacted by Charlie going berserk, which is a real weird takeaway from this. Yeah. And, you know, now that we're kind of at the end of the book, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, when you think about the school shootings that this has been tied to in real life, where, especially cause a lot of them were, were incidents where there wasn't fatalities necessarily, um, that you can think of this kind of almost hero complex at, at the end that, yeah, Charlie was kind of like a savior to these these kids, right? He 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 got them to open up, face their fears, tell their truths, and they haven't forgotten and they're doing better and they're like their lives they've, you know, I know we we have a, a few fun examples here, but you got to I think the expectation is that people are doing well and they've survived this and they've come out stronger and their their lives are better, right? So I can see how this book potentially for someone who is a little messed up and and wanting to you know, do something like this, this could potentially, this part in particular, this letter yeah. of like, yeah. hey, hey, Charlie, you're the hero. Yes. Right. You helped these people and they haven't forgotten. Right. That could spur. And I, yeah, I was really that. thinking yeah. about that as, as being like, I can definitely, I mean, I still really like this book, but I can definitely side with King's decision to to take it off the shelves because I, mm -hmm. you're right. This idea that you know the the school shooter in this case is, if not the hero, then he created a a, a positive experience. He's sympathetic in that way that mm. he changed people's lives for the better. I think that's a terrible message for a a, a school shooting. Yeah, I mean, well, for. For for being anti school shooting, yeah, 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 right. For for trying to, and, I mean, to, to... I, I don't, I don't really want to read a pro school shooting book. No, really, no, no. I mean, I just did. I, I guess to some extent, but yeah. and and to be fair, like, I really, guess you could argue this is more just pro group therapy. Yeah, like the the book really doesn't focus on the violence at the school no, it really doesn't much, right? It, it is focused on the children telling their truths, right? Exposing themselves as it were, and, and kind of coming together as this, this group therapy as, yeah. as we've said. Right. And, and that's really the crux of it. And yes, the violence kind of was needed to get them there. Well, that's but the it really there. wasn't what the book was about. No, right? But you still have those, 
um, necessary sacrifices mm-hmm. to get to the getting it on and to get yeah, to yeah. The, the, the positive effects of the getting it on. And I think that uh, when, you, when you have the scales of justice, uh, it, it, it doesn't weigh out. No, right. no, no. The ends don't justify the means. You know, Mrs. Typically, Mrs. Yeah. Underwood or whatever is not up in heaven going, oh, I'm so glad it worked out for yeah, you, Charlie. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then there is one more chapter, as very short, of, of Charlie in his, his mental hospital. Um, I don't even remember what it says. It, well, it he's is. got a secret. Um, oh, so, that's right. He, yeah, they, they're feeding him custard. And he he doesn't like it, he, he doesn't but he like eats it, it. But he kind of, he, he eats it and makes them think that he likes and that, it. And now he has he a secret. Yeah. And, and so this is like, I don't know. For me, it was like Charlie's kind of rebuilding himself a little bit secretly against the system. Like, like he may once again get to a point where he's going to get it on again. Right. right? Like, you know, at, at first we kind of see him as a bit of a, a broken man, um, you know, recovering. Uh, but this like now I have a secret, um, you know, he and then he, he talks about maybe being able to open his his yearbook and look at the yeah. students. Right. And look at the pictures within. And, you know, one of the reasons he hasn't is because he doesn't think he can look at it without seeing the ink, ink on everybody's hands on everyone's hands. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, whether that's a metaphor for blood. Oh, or, I mean, uh, it is like, I mean, it, it is and it isn't like he's talking about the literal yeah. ink from everybody dumping yeah. it on Ted. But also right. it is a metaphor for yeah. the the mutual blood they all have on their hands right. in regards to the overall getting it on and specifically with Ted. Yeah. You know, so but he, he feels that he's past it. Right. Yeah. And I think. I think this is kind of the the crux of the book at the end is that he, he he's made it through he's he's kind of rebuilding himself and you know maybe maybe he'll 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 get to that point where he's going to want to get it on again in, in the future right yeah. so rage too rage too yeah you heard uh, it although first. It, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's in pre-production no. <laughs> but yeah no a really really interesting book in the sense that I mean Charlie survives Right, he's looked upon favorably by the students. Maybe not the media or the police or what have you, but the students that were in that classroom, they look up to him. They they're thinking of him. They're wishing him well. Right, they're rooting for him in, in as far as his recovery and and you know like that's. I know we've kind of ruled out in a sense Stockholm syndrome, right? But you know if we look at that as a as a positive response to therapy. Right. Of going, yeah, this person really helped me out and I wish them well and that kind of thing. Right. Coming from every student that was in that classroom, aside from Ted, he does seem to be a hero. Uh-huh. Right. With, you know, kind of an ends do justify the means ending to this this book, which I think in in light of why it's banned is is another reason, you know, of going, hey, like the hero complex here, the the ends justifying the means to to get there, the the violence being um, needed, you know, yeah, that, that's, that's something that, you know, when you look at how many students had copies of that in their locker or their rooms or what have you, as far as the, that were tied to the school shootings, this book, um, yeah, you know, you, you, you can see why the, the decision was made to, to pull this from the shelves, right? But there is a part of me that still very much likes, you know, some of the messaging in there in, in, in that, this idea that, especially in high school, I remember this myself in high school. Um, everyone has things about themselves that they don't want other people to know mm-hmm. that they're, that they're hiding for whatever reason, shame, embarrassment. Um, and 
other students will sometimes, if they get their hands on that information, this is why you're scared of sharing it, will try to weaponize it. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that just about everyone has those things. Yeah. Just some hide them better than others. And the idea of getting together and just blurting them out, getting them out in the open, yeah. and then being able to move on from it. Yeah. You take the pressure off. You, 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 you know remove the opportunity to weaponize it or at least to weaponize it to to the most dangerous extent. Uh, Yeah, for sure. And I think that's something that we, some of us at least, gradually kind of learn to do as adults. Either, you know, we reveal it so that it can't be weaponized or we gradually learn that it doesn't fucking matter so it can't be weaponized, however you approach it. Um, But there's something about high school as being that period where you're old enough that you have, you start having skeletons of some kind in your closet, right. you know, whether yeah. it's, you know, the frequency with which you masturbate or, or your you masturbate life. at you're, all or your home life, your yeah. dad's an alcoholic, your, your mom, your town gossip. Yeah, or, yeah. All of these sorts of things that you don't want people to know about. Uh, but you can alleviate those, the pressure of it by just opening up about it. And I really like that part of the book that you have this classroom that confronts that, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that are bound together by it as well. Yeah. Right? In the sense that, we know they haven't shared that with the police or the news or, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or even their, their, their parents, right? They, they've come together as a group to, to say, hey, we've all shared, right? And we're all stronger because of it, right? And we, it's bonded them yeah. as a group. Like, obviously, though, being held hostage and, and everything is going to create some type of bond. But that, that group therapy portion of it, right, it does bring them all together, right? Because they, you're right, they've, they've removed those, those secrets, right? With everyone knowing everyone's secrets, how do, you, how do you tease someone? How do you, you know, you can't really act on that. They know, if you know my secret and I know your secret, what are we going to do? Yeah, we're, we're right? exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it also shows just how, like even from an early age, King was an absolutely fantastic writer. This is so. Yeah. Well, he wrote this book very young, I think. Right? He was in high school when he started it. Yeah. He started it in 1966. Uh, and I think he finished it in 1969. Yeah. Um, uh, and obviously, you know, he probably modified it and touched it up before it was out in, in the Bachman books. But still, like, the the core of it is there. Probably a lot of the language was already mm-hmm. there. And, like, it's it's so much his voice. And it doesn't, it really doesn't drag. I mean, short. Um, but it's it's pretty well, it's speedy. speedy. I mean, even from a timeline perspective, right? Yeah. We're talking, the book starts at Half 9.05. Day, yeah. And ends at 1 p.m. Yep. And then there's a few little tie-up chapters, right? Like, yeah. It's a pretty quick story. Yeah. Right? Um, but I don't want to talk too much about uh, overall thoughts until our wrap-up right. episode. Well, we do have to talk about a rating. Yeah. I mean... Oh, man. That's tricky. There, yeah. I mean, from from a story perspective, right? From from the perspective of what can we get from this book, from, from the, the positive yeah. side of the messaging... Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of good there. I think there's a lot of uh, worthwhile discussion for sure about not only kids in high school, but about keeping secrets versus letting secrets out and, and that kind of thing. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'd go a full like, you know, maybe a four out of five on this uh, as far as kind of that relates. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm, I'm reluctantly sitting too, because like it's very well written and 
outside of the context of the the school violence, yeah, right, which is you know obviously more you know worthy of of our concern these days now that more more now than ever the message behind behind that right like the, the yes that is the inciting kind of event but the journey that that class goes on the bonds that they you know the secrets they share the the truths they reveal uh i, I mean it's 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 really great yeah i think yeah. as as far as how that story goes especially even charlie opening up about his history with his father and you know his kind of you know sexual failures and you know like all that stuff from a from a high school perspective like that's some really important stuff to be discussing and to and to have out there and yeah totally and realize like yeah there's other experiences that are out there so you know i think that's kind of a, a like a for me a four out of five but when it comes down to the you know, and I think this is maybe where for, for King himself, right? Like that link to school shootings or the the ability to take elements of this story and go, yeah, this shooter was the hero and everyone look up to him. So, you know, maybe if I shoot up my school or, you know, like that portion of it that the, the means justify the ends uh, or the ends justify the means uh, and that, you know, I can be a hero by shooting up my school Right, that component of it, I think, is is where we have the difficulty, and obviously why it was, you know, depublicated. Yeah. So that that is the tough part of it. But I think taking that aside and just looking at the merits of the story, um, you know, it's extremely well written. the The dialogue for that, you know, kind of time frame in the seventies yeah, yeah. is spot on. Yeah. Right. There's some real good kind of seventies turns of phrase in there. Um, and, you know, the students, uh, you know, how they interact with each other, right? Like, you get a real vibe that this is a, you know, a classroom that's been together for a few years. And, you know, they, they you know, they've, they've lived. There's a certain comfort amongst them. They're, they're familiar yeah. with each other. But they've lived in that, that world where they've had secrets and haven't shared them and just, you know, had surface lives, you know, for, for quite some time. But there are, like, there's those moments where people do know things about yeah. other people because there are rumors. There are, you know. Yeah, there's always the rumors. Yeah, yeah for sure. But, yeah, this, this you know, this group, the bonding the group therapy, right, it, I think it, it really ties them together. And I think, you know, for a lot of people in high school who feel alone or that, you know, their story is unique or that their problems couldn't, you know, nobody could possibly fathom them or understand them or help them with them. This kind of cathartic kind of group clearing of the air where you start to see, yeah, everyone has similar problems or different problems yep. that affect them deeply and that... Um, you know, are, are a huge part of their lives that they, they're thinking about constantly, but you never see it on the surface. I think that is a really kind of neat takeaway that everyone can look at and go, yeah, I, we're actually very similar mm -hmm. at the end of the day. We're not so alone yep. or different or, yep. you know, outcast, right? Everyone's going through the same kind of thing, right? And I think for, especially in the high school experience, right, that's a very important thing to be able to realize and I know for a lot of us, I, I'm not sure how it went for you, but uh, I think we, we, we learned that maybe a little too late, or some of us do. Anyway, oh, yeah, I had a terrible time in high school. Where we, we you know, we, we make it to university or whatever, and we start to kind of figure this I had so out. much sympathy for Charlie when I read this in high school. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't admit that, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we, I think for a lot of people, whether whether they, 
you know, make it through high school um, as the, you know, prom king or whatever, or the, you know, the guy who was in the library the whole time or whatever, right? You still, I think, feel alone in a lot yeah. of respects, yeah. right? And this kind of showing, hey, like, you guys all have similar experiences and similar, um, you know, naked truths that you can you can bond around or that that can bring you together as this kind of collective group and you don't really have to be alone because you're all dealing with similar issues right like that lack of being alone that that community that sense of community i think is key to surviving high school and and to setting yourself up for life right when you have that understanding that everyone's going through tough things just like you or tougher right you that sympathy that compassion that um, you know, empathy for your fellow man or, or woman, I think really starts to, um, help guide your decisions. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, I think, I think four out of five, I think four to five as well. If we and, ignore and, some and, of the, the, well, the see, school shooting say, aspects, I would say, you know, uh, if, or even with that, if you can find a copy and you are not inclined to shoot up a school, I say you should definitely read this book. It's, it's, mm. a, you know, it, I mean, maybe not. Everybody, if you remember like, what high school was like for yourself and it sucked and it sucked, read this book. Yeah. 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 And if you like Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you really like Richard Bachman. Or you really like Richard Bachman. Yeah. yeah. Or you like uh 70s slang or, you know, <laughs> yeah. The phrases like slicker than owl shit. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few good ones in there. Right on. So yeah, that's rage. Um, that is another book down. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're looking at June 11th to do our live wrap up around 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, you know, find any updates or changes regarding that on uh, our Facebook page. I have been meaning to add a kind of news page to the blah 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 media page so that like okay. things like you know upcoming lives and and things right, like yeah. that can be posted there because um, maybe not everybody uses Facebook. Uh, right. I have noticed that uh, I've, we've, we've gotten like two, three, four, five new uh, followers on Facebook since we started kind of coming out again. Okay. So that's well, kind of cool. Good. That's yeah. encouraging. Uh, I haven't actually looked at our, our download numbers recently. I'll probably do that once we stop recording. Um, so, yeah, let's look at June 11th. Uh, we'll do a live wrap-up of this. We'll announce what our next... Uh, book or whatever will be sounds good yeah because uh, we haven't decided on that yet either um until then i mean well i think download the Podbean app uh, yeah if you want to be able to get, call in and get i think you you need uh you need not only bluetooth headphones but you need a microphone right so you need to download the blue or the sorry the the Podbean app uh you can't call in uh with anything other than the app on your phone you need to have some sort of a, a headset with a microphone connected to your phone. Uh, the the app will tell you that it's optional, but it's not. You need it. You yeah. need it. And I think it's just to make sure that there's no feedback loop of of the microphone picking up the audio of the podcast itself. Um, but please, if you want to come listen to, to the live, the reason we do it live is so people can call in and share their thoughts about the book, their thoughts about the podcast. Um, ideally in a perfect world, as far as I'm concerned, you guys would be reading along with us yeah, uh, and then could call in afterwards or at least finishing up just right before the line, whatever. But like, I think it'd be cool if you guys yeah. are kind of coming along for the ride at the same time. 
Um, and like we're just two guys, you know, with you know, for too me, much time? <laughs> limited world views, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, I think the real interesting kind of aspect of this is, you know, we've got these these books, this you know, for in in some cases really great art uh, that's been made and has been banned or um, you know been been taken away from the world in a sense, and so to be able to discuss it um, on its merits. And to get different perspectives from people, um, you know, that have, uh, you know, are in different parts of the world or have had different experiences than, than, uh, you know, us Canucks here. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's a really neat part of this as well. Where, For sure. Yeah. We can go, Hey, yeah, this, this is banned. Should it have been banned? Um, and then, you know, within that subject matter, you know, how did, how did you take that? Yeah. Right. Did, do you think that random guy like got off uh, before Sandra did? Like, you know, what? what <laughs> yeah, these, we still want to know your thoughts on there's that. There's some important questions <laughs> here, right? Tell so, us about the yeah. uh, the the roller dome guy. Did he that's get right. off or not? That's right. Um, and yeah, as as Pete said, by no means do I think we're we're a couple of you know fucking literary experts here. We're just a couple <laughs> no. of guys who like reading things that people say we're not supposed to, and then shoot the shit about them. So that's right. Yeah. Um, so let's do that. June 11th. Uh, you'll hear otherwise on on Facebook. Um, and yeah, that'll wrap it up, I guess. Right on. Well, now I'm just going to read off of this sticker and... Well, first of all, I've been Todd Sullivan. Oh, right. I've been Peter Ammon. Peter Ammon was about to, uh, screw up the ending in a different way. Jump, I'm going to, I'm going to jump the one part just to focus on the, getting another part right. Oh, well, you know, I'm a, I'm clearly a great, uh, co-host. <laughs> so if I'm still here after the next live episode, I've, uh, I've done maybe some apologizing to Todd in the background here, but, uh, until we meet again, please. Go read a fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>